At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man Staten. This podcast is dedicated to blue-collar, hard-working public land elk hunters. We preach hard work, delayed gratification, discipline, and staying accountable to yourself. We value faith, family, fitness, fiscal discipline, and of course, public land elk hunting. So come along as we try to educate, motivate, and inspire you to become the best possible version of yourself. Our podcast is brought to you by Wilderness Athlete, performance you deserve. Fuel your body with the best. Use our discount code ELKSHAPE30 and save 30% off your first purchase. We are also brought to you by NUMA Outdoors. Geared for the outdoors, made with bow hunters in mind, built to over-deliver, and most importantly, designed to outperform. Check out numaoutdoors.com and be sure to use the discount code ELKSHAPE20 to save 20% off your purchase. Matthews Archery elevating the archery experience take a test drive with the matthews v3 31 or 27 at a local dealer near you vortex optics i've been partnered with vortex since 2010 this company is awesome they're american owned veteran owned they're based in wisconsin their entire team of designers and engineers produce and distribute a complete line of premium sport optics, accessories, and apparel. Most of the apparel that I wear while training, scouting, and hanging out around the house is Vortex Wear. Go ahead and check it out, and if you want to save 20%, enter the discount code ELKSHAPE at checkout, and you'll save 20%. New from Vortex in 2021 is their tripods. The one I've been using in the backcountry is their Summit Carbon Tube and they're radiant carbon and it also has a ball leveling head and it's perfect for rock solid shooting. There is a tripod to fit everyone's needs from Vortex now and it's still covered with their lifetime no fault transferable VIP warranty. Check it out at vortexoptics.com. Welcome to the Oak Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man. I hope you guys are living well. Today's podcast is awesome. We are sitting down with Brandon McDonald of Brandon McDonald Archery and Homeboy Tim Connor, aka producer Tim. Both these guys are awesome. They're hunters. They're into YouTube. They're into making things. And uh, I just took advantage of having them both in the same room. We sat down. We got to know Brandon quite a bit. He was a guest uh, hunter, if you will, with me and Tim. 
and we went to Idaho to hunt bears. Uh, we actually don't talk about bear hunting till probably the second half of this podcast, but we get to know Brandon's backstory. We get to know a little bit about passive income real estate and how he's gone through a journey of sorts and learned how to be an entrepreneur and figured out a way to make good money doing what he loves so that he can spend more time archery and tinkering and bow hunting. Super sharp guy, very articulate. I love listening to him talk and hopefully you do too. Uh, Tim Connor is also on there and uh, Tim is my teammate with uh, the Oak Shape YouTube stuff. So pretty cool to have all three of us in the same room hanging out. We talk a lot about archery, talk a little bit about bear hunting, a lot about real estate and business. It's good. Good listen. I think you'll enjoy it. Without further ado, these are the boys, Brendan McDonald Archery, Tim Connor, and you're listening to the Elk Shape Podcast. No scripts. No scripts. You got me good. Yeah, I do. Do you want to be introduced? I don't care. However you want to do it, sure. I, I don't really know you very well, Brandon. I know you well enough to know that A, you're a passionate bow hunter. B, I don't know why I'm doing Why am I doing A, B, C? I don't know. Can I be doing one, two, three? I don't know. Uh, I'll just go down bullet points. Bullet point, um, passionate bow hunter. Like, loves the flight of the arrow. Uh, came to Elk Shape Camp. I know that just watching you, like, very good behind the lens. You, know, you did some filming there and have an eye, like Tim does, just an eye for capturing things. I don't really have that, but I, I appreciate it when I see people yeah. that do. Um, kind of a, like, s- smartest guy in the room a lot of the times. Uh, and it's probably because I'm dumb. <laughs> We're in the same no. room. I just like listening to you talk. I really... I don't know. I think you articulate your thoughts really well. Uh, and I always enjoy having conversations, but mainly on the listening side, because I think, I don't know, you just got a cool perspective. I know you're from Colorado originally, but you live in Tennessee. I know you have a YouTube channel, but that's hardly anything compared to what you do in real life. And you, you know a lot about me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you have, uh, you have some businesses that you run. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you're you're a time chaser like me. You're not a money chaser, although money has chased you a little bit because you've set yourself up for success. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, you're a cool dude. I don't hang out with a lot of – I have a very small circle. Yeah. Uh, I asked him, you are like – you were invited to come hang out with me and Tim because we freaking think you're cool. Dude, and I'm <laughs> I, I'm in the exact same boat. Like, huge amounts of respect for what you guys have built and what you guys have turned um, – I think the I think that the product that you guys put out, um, the elk shape product, is so cool, so helpful, and and like just a big servant attitude toward the archery community. So, yeah, we're just kissing each other's butts here. It's nice. Oh, but, so yeah. Nice, yeah, no, dude. But hanging out like it's been super cool. Everybody should be super jealous that they can't come up here and hang out in freaking Idaho in the cabin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. Now, so Tim, you you kind of orchestrated this, like uh, Tim. Tim brought me uh, to your channel. He's like, have you seen this guy's channel? I think it was all like really good complimentary. Like he was like, he's got, he knows kind of what he's doing. Like he's, he's not, he's not just throwing things at the wall. Like there's Tim's kind of a guru when it comes to YouTube, Uh obviously like he's pretty smart about it, but um, maybe nerdy even, but you were like, dude, check this guy out. He kind of knows what he's doing. I think you said, like you said some camera nerd stuff to me, like, 
he's got good composition, good lighting. He's got all this stuff. Uh, he's just paying. Att- he's just paying attention paying to how attention. he's using his camera. Yeah, yeah, but Tim and I have been nerding out about it. Like we're yelling at each other, riding around on the four wheel, you know, talking about yeah, just camera and editing nerd stuff as we're driving around. I it's heard awesome. you guys right now. Just a second. That's why I'm like, time out. Let's put the headphones on. So, how did you find Brandon's channel, and why did you sell me on him? I don't know. It just came up on my feed, and I watched a few of his videos, and he 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 was paying attention to how he was using his camera. And he was just taking time to do the little things and get shots and get decent lighting and just just making nice things. And he, I also got that he understood YouTube. He was making cool thumbnails. He was making cool titles. He was delivering on a story that was not, like, all over the place. And I don't know. I, I just – my vibe was, like, he's he's a good guy. Like, let's hang out with him. Let's, let's try to get together. Let's do something. And we kind of set out at the beginning of this year to be like, hey, let's expand on what we're doing. Let's try to do some – Let's try to meet some interesting people. Let's collaborate with them. Let's learn from them and, and just try to grow the archery community, hunting community bubble. Dude, being around people that are like motivated and doing stuff is such a huge deal. Like the energy that it brings, like just being around the two of you, I'm like super jacked up. And that's, and that's something that like I'm finding maybe one out of 10 people brings that energy. So that was another reason that I was super excited. And again, wanting to do more collaborations this year, just like you guys are doing, being around people that are doing stuff, even if they're not necessarily, you know, maybe they're, they're still figuring their stuff out or whatever, but like just people that are motivated and creating action, there's this, yeah, there's this energy that, that are around, that's around them. It it just kind of hit me when we're like all sitting around the table here. I mean, we're all entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that for me is fun. I always like talking business. I always think there's something about a person willing to take the risk and bet on themselves. Like that's a hard thing yeah. to do. It takes a lot of conviction, a lot of stick Nobody ever thinks that when you're making that jump, like it's the right thing to do. You kind of feel like a crazy person. Yeah. And like maybe one out of ten people believe in you, and it's just really cool to sit out and hang out with people, talk business, and yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. Uh, yeah, I didn't even think of it like that, but I'm just smiling because I remember I mean, we're going to go off in the weeds already. But so Tim told me he was going to open up a golf shop, like uh, golf instructions. And I knew he had done that <clears throat> for quite a while. Yeah. And then I knew that he kind of like, I don't know if he got a severance package or what, but I know that he like exited strategically. <laughs> I you know what I mean? I, yep. And then I met him. And he's like, you know, no, I do, I do golf instruction, but uh, I'm going to be open my own shop. And I just kept hearing him say, I'm going to open my own shop. Bro, I've heard a lot of people tell me a lot of things they're going to do. Yep. Um, and then at the time, I just remember looking back to him, like you were in this weird spot where like, okay, it was like green light, three, two, one, go. And he just started like, oh, I got a space. I got a loan. I put money down. Yes. I'm ordering shit. Hey, I'm setting my studio up this weekend. Like, like he went from zero. Like, I know you're a strategic guy and you think and plan, but like for me in the background, I was like, yeah, okay, Tim, whatever I've heard, you know, and then he just did it. It's because it's rare to see, man. Like, it was crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. And you did it. And it's already been, is it been two years? It's about two years. Yeah. They say, whoever they are, that (laughs) the first two years will make or break you. Yeah. Um, all right, so are you going to make it or break it? I'll make it. I, I, I'm, I've spent a lot of money. Like I've spent all the money, which has been nice. I didn't take out a loan. Um, okay. Okay. But all the money has been spent. The seed has been planted. Everything's going really well, but now it's time to like 
actually see some of that come back but it, it's it's been a really great it's been really great to just build a thing and and watch it grow and i'm really proud of the space too like i like when you walk in now just i like how everything's come together and i really like your location to yeah. be honest with you that's a high traffic next Dude, to starbucks I want to go see it when we get back i didn't yeah i didn't i forgot that you'd actually had a space yeah i want to see it yeah, I know some people here when you're like a golf instructor that teaching lessons indoors are like, oh, are you teaching like out of your garage somewhere? And, you know, that's kind uh, of the thought. Like, are you teaching all this little hokey thing? And I'm like, no, no, like I this is a really nice space. And, you know, we have really I have really great technology I can work with. And I'm just really proud of how it's all come together. And, you know, I just have this really cool client base, too, who stuck with me through it all and kind of believed in me and had conviction through you know, I'm quitting my job. I'm going to teach outdoors for six months. Like there was a lot of transitionary period where people could just be like, oh gosh, what's going on here? You know? And they've just been with me through it all. And and then, you know, new people come on and it's just, I don't know, it's rewarding. It's a really cool relationships that have been built through, through, uh, this career path. Going back to the, uh, like two year thing where you said the two years, the two years will make or break you. Yeah. They say that. Yeah. Uh, whoever that they are, Who yeah. Who are they? But I, w- I was Tim and I were talking about this before, like when we were at at his place. Uh, one of the YouTubers I watch, Matt Diavella, uh, he said three years is what you need to commit if you're going to try to do something like build a podcast, build a YouTube channel, build I like something it. like that. You have to commit to three years. Three years has to be what you what you make the decision to do. Can't quit before then. And because, I like that. Yeah, because it'll help you build traction. And then you'll also be able to figure out like um, what works, what doesn't work. And then your audience is going to feel like, okay, this is a person that's actually going to stay around. So, but I think it's the exact same thing for a business. I think, it, I think that it, it can take three years before you actually know if this thing's even viable, like a restaurant. I mean, anything, but I don't know. I, maybe it's not true, but I just found it kind of interesting and telling like the three year mark. But I just feel like that, that early, those early <coughs> stages are so critical. Like when you have an idea and you believe in it, it, you, you really have to like surround yourself with support and believe in yourself. It's so easy to believe you're kind of, I don't know. It's not something everyone's going to do. And, and to take that step and that leap is like, you really have to believe in yourself and you, in, and you should be like, I'm going to give it a year or two or three and kind of set what, what that wall is that either is success for you or not. Because at some point you may have to pivot too, if it's not going well. The pivot Ah, uh, the pivot. Uh, I think everybody needs to reinvent themselves at some point. Uh, you're almost 40. I Brandon. am. Tim, I you're a young, supple, 30. <laughs> supple. <laughs> I like using that word. 33-year-old? 32, yeah. 32 going on 33. When's your B-Day? Uh, in December. Okay. So you're, yeah, he's 32. Yeah. He's crushing it. Um, so Tim and I work together on, for guys listening, Tim and I basically met. He reached out. We did a podcast. Uh, we stayed in touch. We had some similar interest in cameras and in U- uh, YouTube and <laughs> CrossFit and hung out. And then just he slowly just injected himself into my life <laughs> to where I can't get rid of the guy. That's awesome. Um, literally one of the hardest working guys who has a very simple life, which I love simplicity, where he's you're just not very complicated. Mm-mm. And I, I can figure that out like. And, we're, and we have different strengths and weaknesses. So it's been really cool to have Tim. And I'm just riding the Tim wave. Like, yeah, I'll dude. take Tim's help as long as he – until I wear him out. Yeah, until he's leveled he's like, up the channel for sure. Like, it's <sighs> – yeah, it's yeah. it's been very good for you guys. I agree. And we just like making stuff. Yeah. Which is cool that at the end of the day, like, it's not – like, he checks analytics more than I do. He knows that stuff because you have to pay attention and all that. But 
ultimately we want to make cool stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what it boils down to. Yeah. We just want to make fun stuff, interesting stuff, help people out yeah. and build, like share similar values, you know, inspire people to go out and work a little harder, have a little more discipline, um, chase whatever's important to them. Like, yeah. But yeah. actually create motion in their lives. Create motion. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. yeah. Maybe that'll be our new sign off. Like you have. What's his sign off? I'm Brandon McDonald. Thanks for watching. I'm Brandon McDonald. <laughs> yeah. I thought you could do a better impression of that. Oh, yeah. I could do it better. Because I've been giving Brandon crap all over. I'm Brandon McDonald. But he just randomly walked by me in the kitchen. I'm Brandon McDonald. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So, well, how did you, Brandon, like, we have to talk about archery. We have to geek out on all that kind of stuff because right. that's where we're here. We have to talk about yeah. real estate because – I think it's fascinating. You, we can talk about my scenarios because I'm an open book. We can talk about your businesses, uh, getting married twice, like what, yep. like some unsolicited marital advice there. <laughs> um, where do you want to start? Yeah, dude. I mean, um, I'm, I'm open for whatever. I mean, I'm trying to think of what would bring like the most, what's I think like valuable. That, I think what can bring the most value to all of us is what's on your shirt right there. And you can just kick off with that. Just jump in. He's All got right. a little. He's got a little project. He's yeah. he's an entrepreneur. He knows what he wants to do, but he's just he's kind of ready to do a thing. And tell us about it. All this right. thing's been on the shelf for six months. Yeah, I Man, don't like that. No, I get it. I get it. I've I've been. I don't know why I've been so apprehensive about getting it done. And people may have like. I've been wearing the hat for a while. I I wanted to wear the shirts. Because, All right, let me just start from the beginning. I don't know why, but I think it, it's because I'm getting older because, you know, and I don't have kids and I feel like mm, yet. Uh, yeah, yet. Yeah. It's, it's in the future. I think it's just like, I've been obsessed lately with legacy and thinking about what I'm going to leave behind on the earth. And so what I decided I'm going to do is I'm going to launch a brand. Um, and it's called mere mortal archery. Um, I'm a normal guy. Like I'm not you. I'm not Dan. I'm not this dude. We're sitting in the midst of these epic experiences with all these trophies that are hanging over our heads right now. I don't have that. Like I have a bunch of little piddly white tails that we've, you know, fed the family on for the last 10 years, but I'm going to start building this and I'm not Levi Morgan. I'm not some, you know, amazing, uh, you know, just, uh, I mean, our, the best archer in the world that's ever existed, but I am a mere mortal, but that doesn't mean that I can't help people. So what I'm going to do is I'm launching a brand and every product that sells, I'm taking 100% of the profits and I'm going to uh, donate it to different veterans organizations that are focused on getting disabled vets into archery. So I've reached out to a couple of them already. I'm not starting a nonprofit. I don't, I don't want to start another thing that's kind of piling into that industry. I want to funnel into that industry. And like watching you guys do the adaptive shoot stuff, I want to be involved in that. Like that's the kind of thing that I want to do. I want to I want to invest deeply into certain individuals' lives that are the right people, that are the right people that have had physical trauma in their lives, but that that basically through through archery, deciding on some hunts in the future, like trying to help make certain people's dreams come true that they didn't think because they had whatever lost a limb that they were ever going to be able to go get to do it. So yeah, investing deeply in those people's lives. And I think I've been nervous to launch it because, um, I don't know. I don't know if I think that I'm worried it's going to take a lot of time or if I'm worried it's just not going to work. Um, 
but obviously I needed to do it. Like I needed, I need to kick it off in the beginning. I was wearing all the gear, wearing the gear because I wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to wear out, that I wasn't selling products to people that were going to be, you know, that were going to be crappy, but we're well past that point. I've washed and dried everything, you know, a hundred times at this point. I know it's good stuff. So yeah, I'm starting out with kind of a limited supply of, uh, of shirts and hats, but I'm going to build it out from there. And again, the goal is just to dive in and, and to, to help people. I love the name mere mortal yeah because we all ultimately are mere mortals like you know what i mean no yeah. matter some people are larger than life but at the end of the day w- w- dust in the wind you know what i mean yep. uh gone but not forgotten but kind of forgotten kind of forgotten dude. because we're so focused on what's in front of us as human beings mm-hmm. um i was thinking about driving up late yesterday on my so i spent a lot of time behind the wheel of a dirt bike when you're bear hunting, there's just so many miles. And I'm thinking, I was thinking about legacy and I was like, you know, if some, if we podcast and somebody asked me like, why did I start a YouTube channel? I'm like, I need to come up with a good answer. And I'm like, Oh, I already know. So I started my pod or I started my YouTube channel way, way before Tim, yeah. way before subscribers and monetization. Why did you do that? Oh, I know. I, I, as long as the YouTube had servers that didn't break. I would have all my shit documented yep. and my kids as kids as kids kids hopefully can just be like, yo, you want to see what that crazy ass great, great, great grandfather yes. was doing? Mm-hmm. Hit play on this. And obviously who knows what will be in the future. But like, I don't know, like both my grandfathers dead, didn't really know either one very well. And I have no clue what they did. But you wish that you knew. A hundred percent. Dude, me too. So, so badly. Like, uh, my, my, both my grandpas are dead. And if I had videos that I could watch throughout their lives to learn more about them, I would 100% do it. Yes. It, it would be cool to see, like, how are they? Like, what are they up to? Like, what, how did their day-to-day life go? Like, what yeah. was their struggles? Or, or, like, what did they find joy in? Uh, yes. I don't know. So, that's why I started YouTube. And then, obviously, it just aligns with elk shape now where it's a no brainer. Right. But what will be the next YouTube? What will be the next way to document things? Like, um, is it more, I mean, I feel like YouTube's kind of here to stay for a while. It's because you, you, you check so many boxes, you know, you can do a 30 minute video. People don't have an appetite for that, but you could, you could do a 10 minute hitting video. But bottom line is, is you can document your life. Yeah. And put it up there. Yep. And people will, will consume it. Yep. Yeah, it's I'm, kind of a perverse way to look at it, but it becomes like a time lapse of your life. It's a timeline. And which is so interesting to me is that you, you can kind of look back, and especially now that we've had some history, we can be like, okay, what were we doing a couple of years ago? Where was your head at? You know, what kind of things were interesting? And you can kind of see how people grow, change, evolve. And uh, it's just really cool to kind of have that history that's that's been backlogged now. And, uh, just grow and move forward. Yeah, for sure. And I think we're all paying attention enough. So whatever the next medium is that comes that comes about, like if there's, you know, I think we're all paying attention and watching and we would shift into that medium if there was something new that came about that wasn't YouTube. Because obviously I know that like the politics surrounding YouTube, I, I hate that I'm on the platform a little bit from that side of it, but it's, it's the place. Like when you want to learn something, when you, you're like, I broke a part of my tractor, I will just immediately pull up YouTube and, and YouTube, you know, how to fix this part. Like that's, it, it's, yeah, it's a behemoth. 
But when there's another thing, I'm sure we'll all, you know, add content to that area as well. Mm, I like that. Well, yeah. the, the Mere Mortal, what's the website? Uh, MereMortalArchery.com. Oh, yeah. MereMortalArchery.com. Yeah. So see, we see, gotta let, con- me tell you the, let me tell you the quote real quick. Yeah. I, I pulled it from C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis said, I have never met a mere mortal. Every human is extraordinary. And I was like, man, that that's exactly right. Like, yeah, that's that's all I've got to so say. C.S. Lewis, Dude, huh? C.S. Lewis, man. Some screw tape letters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I haven't read a ton of him. I I I liked the idea of the mere mortal language, and then when I started googling that that quote, just hit me, and I was like, dude, that's that's really cool. That's my jam. I'm a big fan of C.S. Lewis, by the way. Um, dude, you, I'm gonna dig in. Here we go. <clears throat> you said something that I like noted while you were here you were like yeah da, da, da. i used to be a really conservative christian and, and my, my first marriage and i'm like i don't know if you want to talk about this stuff yeah no it's or fine not, yeah but, go for it but i'm gonna ask anyways um <laughs> i just want to get to know more of you yeah sure um and this just happens to be we're recording um tell me about your uh let's go through your the Christian stuff. Yeah, yeah. And for folks listening, don't get turned off. Like I, I talk about faith. I don't live a very great example of the the model the model Christian, but I definitely am not ashamed to say I I fall short of God's glory every day, and I recognize that, and I feel like I need redemption, and I find that through the blood of Jesus, of Nazareth or Jesus Christ. Yeah. Depending on who. Who you're talking to? I call him the Christ. Got it. Um, but just putting that out there, like, tell me about that. Uh, that caught my attention when you said yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. So, I mean, I think that <clears throat> I think that like everybody else, it's a journey, and um, and I'm I'm still on the journey. So, I'll, I'll when I was in high school, um, ninth grade, I uh, I was I was the youngest person in this elite choir at our high school. Yes. I was a singer. Am a singer. I like singing. I was. I, there was a hundred kids in the in the uh, in the in this uh, choir, and they all went to the same youth group, and it was a Denver First Church of the Nazarene, huge church, huge youth group, and so I got plugged in basically. Like, hey, you're going to be in this. You got to come on Sundays and on Wednesdays. So I started going there, and they and the the youth group wanted to form like a rock band, yeah. And so I became the singer of the rock band. And so during the summers, we would go on these like three week mission trips, two Greyhound buses full of horny teenagers driving around. Literally, I mean, one one year we went from Denver, we went all the way up to Toronto and then came loop back all the way around through Texas. But we're making stops and doing like these little yeah mission trip type things, you know, helping churches paint the exteriors of houses, you know, all that kind of stuff. Wow, that's dude, a great experience. It was epic, man. It was epic. And I was hardcore Sunday and Wednesday, man, like true, really deep believer. Like, um, and then when I got into college, um, I went to a a Nazarene college in, uh, in Tennessee, kept the faith, the exact same thing, like super strong, but it turned into something, it turned into something weird for me where I started feeling judgmental and I started, Yeah. uh, yeah. And, and it turned into, um, I was like a religion snob, mm-hmm. you know, De- I, deep theological understanding of, you know, we, we would do Bible studies where we would really dig deep, but I became, uh, like kind of gossipy. Um, I, and, and as you kind of get to higher levels in the church, as far as like kind of, kind of getting behind the curtain, I just 
realize there's just a lot of like shitty people that are that are on church boards and it, it it's not about I, I this is what happened i let the people distract me from what jesus was and i basically when i graduated college uh went on the road playing music with some guys uh super intelligent i was in a band with with two guys that are men's iqs and they're both atheists and we read a lot of books. We read a lot of, you know, Richard Dawkins. We read a lot of books on things that were um, kind of questioning faith from a logical standpoint. And I, and I kind of was like, you know what, I'm going to put this on hold. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to put it on hold. And so I moved from a true believer, a deep believer back into an agnostic, okay. which I'm not an atheist, but an agnostic is somebody who is just willing to say, like, I don't know. That's fair and that's real and that's honest. And I like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I met my first wife, um, while I was touring, that was after I was a music business major in college. And then I played full time on the road. I played bass guitar, uh, for three years after college. Yeah, dude. Well, I'm a tall guy. You can't, you can't play guitar. It looks funny. Tall. Exactly. Slap the bass. Yeah. Dan. Why does everybody want to do the air slap (laughs) bass? I don't know. Because it sounds so good. Have I done the air bass when no one's looking? And yes, absolutely. Yeah. And we're going to interrupt this podcast for a quick little message from Black Rifle Coffee Company. These guys make amazing coffee here in the U.S. and they're veteran-owned and they're proudly American and unapologetic. I appreciate that. If you guys are interested in joining their coffee club or picking up maybe some swag, ready-to-drinks, or check out that new Flying Elk Roast flavor, use the discount code ELKSHAPE and that'll save you 15%. Also, Kafaru International. This is the backpack of choice for elk hunters. I use the Hoodlum or the 44 Mag. You guys need to check out Kufaro International if you are serious about packing out large loads of perfect protein off the mountain. Head over to kufaro.net to learn more. We're also brought to you by Onyx Hunt, the number one hunting GPS app. I've pretty much gone away from using an old school GPS. Obviously, I still carry like an inReach, but all my hunting maps are stored and executed with the Onyx. This is the fastest downloading offline maps out there as well as the most resilient bulletproof not going to crash on you when you need it most i run tracking most days while elk hunting and i found onyx to be the most reliable hunting gps app out there check it out today and finally baku e-bikes these are e-bikes made for hunters by hunters this is a game changer for elk hunting as well as bear hunting checking your tree stand trail cams getting in and out quietly. I rock the mule. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE to knock $300 off your purchase. And if you do that, you might as well just go ahead and apply that discount towards a folding cargo trailer so you can put your elk quarters and haul them out back to the truck. Yeah, so so uh, yeah, uh, big guys don't look good with little baby guitars. So I didn't look good with an electric guitar. But man, it was such a cool part of life, like getting to go out and play music full time. Um, it's something that I'm so glad I did because I think that I would, if I didn't do it, I would always wonder if I would have been happier had I pursued that career. You know, if I'd have been like, man, if only I would have been able to go on the road. Like that's 
But I realized when I was on the road, like 95% of being out there is sitting in a bus or sitting in a hotel room or sitting in a green room surrounded by freaking concrete block walls with a crappy couch that the venue grabbed from Goodwill with the <sighs> same food. You know, it's just, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't for me at that level. Um, but I met my first wife on the road. Um, her family owned a venue in Jackson, Tennessee great gal, like super great gal. But, but because I was kind of going through this, like, I don't know that it was a crisis of faith, but it was just kind of this, like, um, this kind of like, I, I've been holding this thing in my hand for so long. I'm just going to put it down for a little bit and I'm just going to kind of step away. And, and she was, I was a different person when we got married and then as things kind of progressed and we were young, like I was still, I was in my early twenties. I think she was 21 when we got married. I think I was 24 maybe. So just super young. And, uh, and so I think that my transition out of being a musician into a real estate person, that was kind of a shock for her as well. Like, I think that was hard. And then the, and then the loss of the, the lack of faith, like as a, as a man, I think I should have been the one to re to be like, you know, we're, I know this is important to you, so we're going to go to church. And I don't know what I'm doing right now, but every Sunday we need to get up and we need to go to church because if we're going to be a part of this, it doesn't matter that I'm, I'm not feeling it. Like Just like you with CrossFit, I would imagine there are days when you are not excited to show up at the gym, sure. but you show up anyway. Right. And, and I, think that, I think that for faith, I needed to have more have that mindset. So six months after we got married, my, my first wife and I looked at each other and we were like, Oh, we should have just broken up. And we were like, crap. Well, let's, you know, let's maybe we can make it work. And and the truth is, like, it wasn't this big disastrous blow up. We just we're kinda like, eh. We kinda maybe we kinda messed up. And maybe we just kinda need to just get a divorce and move on. And dude, she's married, two kids she's got twins, she seems super happy. She sings in uh at this great church. She's a singer. And um and she seems super happy doing what she what she does. We don't really we don't keep in touch, um, but it's I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it was super positive that that we moved on. And then uh, and then moving into you know my new marriage, uh, got married in my mid thirties. But Jocelyn and I dated for three and a half years probably before we got married. Like, I like that by dude, the way, folks I, listening, young yes, guns. Man, I knew myself. Like, and there was such a big difference for me when I was 25 years old compared to 35. Holy crap. I was, I, I was established as who I was, you know, and there is such a big difference. And, and we, we kind of touched, we kind of talked about this a little bit. There is no, you don't win a prize for marrying somebody after three weeks or three months. Like that is, that is so incredibly reckless Again, be crazy in love. Like, be crazy in love, violently in love. Screw up everything in your life, but do not make a legal commitment to a person. <laughs> Are like, you listening, Tim? <laughs> yeah. It's just not worth it, man. There's only downside. Because what's, what's the upside? The upside is we stayed together. Yeah. The downside is we had to split. I had to give her half of the golf shop. Like, I mean, there's so many downsides to just rushing into marriage. Um, but there's, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe people think there's some, like, magical feeling that's going to happen when you're both like, this is my husband, this is my wife. It's a cool thing to say, but, dude, 
the downside is so huge. Like, yeah, time will give you opportunity to see them and for them to see you in different circumstances um, and then kind of get past that that stage of infatuation or um, really let your guard down and be who you really are and they can see who you really are and then you can see who they really are. There are literally chemical differences in your body that are happening at the beginning of a relationship. Genetic chemical differences that are happening for the first year that you're together there it's the massive amounts of dopamine are being released like that's why and it's such an amazing feeling like falling in love with somebody at the very beginning is this crazy blend that is designed to create more human beings yeah like it's yeah so but again in these in these days uh, yeah dude just be a little practical just yeah. be a little practical and don't make a legally binding decision <laughs> until you've really like Jocelyn and I will, we will fight like we freaking fight. But then we sit down and I'm like, Hey, you want pho for dinner? And she's like, I love, pho. And I'm like, <laughs> I love pho too. Let's go get some pho. And like those just base level things, we both love the life. Like she would live her life and I would live my life separately exactly the same way as we do now but because those line up so well every time we fight we fall back on these just like common common core interests that we have and then the fight kind of goes away we resolve and then and then life is good yeah i think what you said right there is really important man like you two still do your thing but you're better together yeah for sure for sure i like that and i knew i wanted to get into that a little bit because that that difference between 25 and 35 and obviously if there's people listening that are in their 40s 50s 60s then there are they're they're probably laughing because I'm there's sure. a whole nother perspective we <laughs> haven't sure. seen yet and i and i appreciate that but it's a journey yeah just like faith is just like marriage is like it's a trajectory hopefully a positive one um i like that I don't know your current wife, but I like that I have seen more of her on your socials lately and more on like, cause we all like, I pay attention to what you're doing and I, I'm just interested in what I'm interested in you in, in a homo way. <laughs> and a, and no a, homo. Yeah. yeah. But no, I, and I think that you've like, it's cool to see her kind of like, I want to see more of Brandon's real Brandon instead yeah. of Brandon with a cigar and a drink right, and a right. bow. I like seeing like, Hey, I'm riding horses with Jocelyn. And that goes back to like, <clears throat> do, are you passionate about riding horses? No, but it's a lot of what I preach at Elk Shape Camps. It's like, you need to find what her thing is and pay attention and win an Academy Award for acting interested right. in yes. what she is I doing. Like that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Just like I do with Alicia's IGTV. I'm sorry. Um, I guess, what would you HGTV. call it? HGTV. Like, yeah. like we're always looking at how to make things more pretty in spaces. And, <laughs> and she really loves working with her hands. And, and so I, and she's always bringing up new ideas to spend money. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she's bringing up ideas that will make you money. And I, I just love her to death. I yeah. love how creative she is. And um, I got to show more interest in that. And, and, and it does help balance my single singular focus which is pretty arguably uh, obsessive on hunting. dude obsessive but watching you with your family here this this week so far has been so cool like you are a great dad like your kids have an incredible amount of energy and you're always willing to give that back to them 
Like it's been super cool to watch you like interact with your son and how different he is from, from your daughter. And then, and then the way you guys parent and the way, I don't know. Yeah. I'm always kind of watching that stuff. I, I think it's, I think it's interesting, but you, for, for such a singularly focused guy, you still balance, um, being a, being a good father. It's, it's yeah. really cool. I, well, man, I, my dad is amazing to me, always been there for me yeah. and my mom. And so I can't take any credit and there's no manual. There's no field manual on how to be a parent. But I think we talked about this also, Tim is like, I could never have the capacity to raise kids in my twenties. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I could. But it would be way different experience oh, yeah. for everybody. Yes. Whereas now, I mean, I didn't have our first daughter till we were like, I was 33. And way more established, way more probably understanding what my values are, what I like, what things I really value, which is super short list. I don't have a lot of things that I value. Uh, I value time and I value, you know, experiences. Um, money is just a tool. I don't really like... I don't, I don't wake up rotating my thumbs and be like, <laughs> how can I make more money today? Like, that's just not me. Right, right. I'm just like, like today I woke up and I'm like, I really want a podcast today. Like I want to get to know Brandon. I want to hit record. Yeah. Nice. Um, I want to, I want to bear hunt today. Yes. I want to capture some cool stuff. Uh, I want to see Tim get a bear. Yes. Uh, I, I'm just, you know, that's kind of, I'm pretty simple. Yeah. But being a parent is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Now you, you and Jocelyn want to be. You guys want to be yeah, mom we, and dads. Yeah, we want kids. Um, What's that conversation between you two been like? I, I know Jocelyn's not going to listen to this, so I'm just going to be totally <laughs> honest. Yeah. I, I think she's a lot more hesitant. She's a lot younger than I am. She's 32, 33, somewhere in there. Um, and I'm almost 40. So I think that she's so active doing horse stuff. Like she, she hunts more than I do. She fox hunts basically six months out of the year. It's twice a week. They go down here and just bomb down these giant hills, ups and downs, flying around trees, chasing hounds that are chasing coyotes in middle Tennessee. It's literally, she's a badass. Um, so much respect for, for that part of her life. So being pregnant, creates mm. a lot of like she's like i don't know how long i have to do you know this this fox hunting stuff i have an answer it is not gonna happen <laughs> until they're about my kids age yeah so how old's avery six and tristan's four plus being pregnant she definitely cannot listen to this podcast seven eight years she <laughs> but, can put that away but that's what i'm saying is i don't i don't want and i don't want that for her and luckily financially we've gotten to a level where i where we could once we have kids we can hire a full-time nanny and so when jocelyn wants to go bomb on hills that full-time nanny can be taking care of a baby riding down there in the f-250 with her and hang out and make sure that the kid's cool while mom's riding and there you go and I think, but that wouldn't have happened. That, that's the other thing about me waiting until this point in life. I, I'll have less energy to raise them, but we, but we, you know, we can bring in some supplemental help. Yeah, I you think, have more resources. Yeah. So I think that I think the answer, going back to the original question, I was ready to make a baby with Jocelyn three months after we started dating. Like I was a one hundred percent positive that like 
I would make a baby with Let's this have person. Some offspring. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I want to see what my genetics and her genetics make. She has really small calves, and I have really big <laughs> calves. And I was like, maybe we can make some perfectly medium-sized calved people. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So I think I think she's more hesitant uh, than I am, but it makes total sense. And the commitment of being pregnant as a woman, like she's a really small person too. She's you know right around a hundred pounds. Jeez. So, yeah. So I think that she's, I think, you know, like there's, there's health risks to all this stuff. And I think she's, I think she's smart about it, but yeah, I think that, I think we're, we're working toward it and kids are definitely in the future. I mean, we talked about like, if we don't just end up having them, I think we'll, I think we'll for sure adopt, but yeah. we're moving from where we are now. We have a 25 acre farm North of Nashville, but it's really hilly. So it's not great for the horses, but we bought 35 acres South of town we're getting ready to build everything at the exact wrong time. Freaking lumber prices are 3x what they were, you know, when we got our first bid. We got our first bid for the barn, and it was 120000 And then five months later, I call for an update, and it's 170000 Like, that is just the price of materials gone up. So we're, we're in the process of doing all that. And I think once we get established at the new place, then I can really drill down and be like, hey, it's baby time. Literally drill down. Exactly. <laughs> oh, Tim. <laughs> yeah, that's – these are all fun stuff for me to learn about you because, I mean, it's it's such a cool space to be where you're like, the future's unknown, but yeah. we we have these things. Um, let's talk real estate. We got to. Yeah, Guys, sure. we're going to get to archery and bear hunting, and uh, if you want to skip ahead um, – then just do that or Don't whatever. Skip you need ahead. To this is good stuff. We're about to talk about real estate. But this is how you get rich. We're going to talk about how to be able to afford to come hunt Idaho. Uh, you just hunted Texas. You just you've bought five bows and did a, a non biased bow review last year that crushed the internet. Because uh, a lot of my stuff that I put out is super biased because I get paid by companies and I'm just a dirtbag <laughs> and you're not. No, I'm joking. But. Um, Nah, that's it's a perception cool. though. Yeah, yeah, sure it is. Yeah, for sure. Uh so you're dude, you I didn't know much about you until we hung out and we did a podcast and I loved that podcast. Although I was not we didn't get to really Right. There well, were so was, many guys yeah, there. Yeah, there was a bunch of people there. There was yeah. possums. There were cigars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People were drunk. It was crazy. Yep, yep. Fun podcast. Go listen back yep. and listen to that. I don't know what episode it was, but that was a cool one, but um I got you right here right now. So you made a video recently on your channel and I felt like maybe the podcast we did might've like added a little fuel to your fire because I picked up that you were like, you had a lot of cool stuff to say about how you can make money while you're going hunting, which is something I talk about. And then you went and made this really cool video. Uh, I watched it. Um, I watched it well after it dropped. I don't know how or why, but I just got to it. And sure. I, before I watched it, I went to the comments and I read the comments and I was like, this is being received really well. And I might've made a comment after I watched it. I think I did, but I was like, yes, Brandon, more, more yeah, of this. You did. Let's yeah. go into that video. Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> I think that the, like everybody obviously wants to hunt more. Like if you're a hunter, you want to go hunt more, but you have to be able to, you can't sacrifice like, okay, I'm not going to pay the mortgage this month or rent this month because I want to go buy a $300 bear tag for Idaho. Like you can't, 
It, by the way, if you're renting something for $300 a month, you're a genius. Um, <laughs> so, you know, but you know what I'm saying. And yeah. so the, the, I think the title of the video was like how I'm going to pay 70, you know, how I'm funding $75,000 worth of hunts this year or something, you know, something like that. And I, I'm not spending 75 K on hunts. I, that, that was just the refi amount that we did. Oh, you clickbait and son of a... Well, that's what we do. It's YouTube. Yeah. No, I said, I'm going to start using Jocelyn in all my thumbnails. I'm going to put her in a bikini in every single one. I'm, I'm doing it. Um, I, I think that the the, the big... Like, I'm, I've got video number two in the can as far as the, the finance stuff. And it's so funny, man. I rarely will reshoot a video. Like, I rarely will do it. But I literally sat and smoked a cigar and was drinking Blanton's on the porch. I did the first... I did the video... I deleted it. I did it again. I deleted it again, and I did it a third time. So by the third time, my cigar is really small, and the Blantons is getting pretty low. Oh, but that's I, the good stuff. Yeah, but I felt like I was getting more focused in in talking what I in in kind of telling what I wanted to talk about. I want I want to help guys that hunt and gals that hunt build the foundation to become financially free, and I want to start talking about about that on my channel more and first like the first step is kind of mindset and so reading a book like rich dad poor dad have you read that yes have you read it no i've okay. had a couple clients recommend it it is it to me is the one book like when i when i talk to real estate people or when i talk to people that are like focused on investing rich dad poor dad is always in their top three like it's on my phone and i'm probably gonna listen to it again dude i listen to it every year it's oh. it, I, there's two <laughs> books that i listen to every year one's more real estate focused but but rich dad poor dad hits me different every single time i listen to it because as life progresses and changes like I'm in a different season of life this year, and there's just little things that I pick up. But it's basically Robert Kiyosaki is the uh, uh, is the author, and he talks about his biological father was a, a professor. Like he's a, a you know very well respected professor, but his mentality on money was get a job, save your money, and he basically got kind of dicked around by the system. It seems like you know as he's getting older, you're relying on like Tim's saying like entrepreneurs like is the most risky thing. But if you work for somebody else, you're relying on another entrepreneur to provide you a job. So to me, being an entrepreneur is actually the safest thing that I can do because I am responsible for my success. Yeah, I always wonder about that thought and is like, is it, is it you, is it a control freak thing where you're like, I do not want to rely on somebody or is it you're just like I genuinely want to carve my own path? I think it can be. I think it can be both. And I yeah. also think like with with the stuff that we're doing with YouTube, like there's also this creative outlet that gets to that gets to flow. So I think it it can be a bunch of different things that add together. But um, yeah, I've always felt that way about entrepreneurs. But when I read going back to Rich Dad Poor Dad, his rich dad focused on getting good at managing people getting good at understanding people and being able to take these people and place them in certain parts of different businesses that he decided to go into. And he focused on buying assets instead of like, just, you know, get a good job, save my money. That's probably a decent foundation. But if you can start thinking about not saving your money, but using that money to buy assets that create cash flow for you into the future it's really slow at first it's like painfully slow but it 
just like the, the marriage stuff, if, if I started when I was 25 and now in my late thirties, you're really seeing, you know, like I'm hunting right now and I'm still making thousands of dollars a day sitting up here doing Com- nothing. Compounding. Yeah. You, you know, you've planted seeds that are compounding and now these, these seeds are blossoming. It's awesome. Yeah. But it takes time. And, and, and just like we were talking about, like, if it doesn't matter the medium, like if you want to go invest in crypto or you want to go invest in real estate or you want to go into the stock market or whatever, it's, it's about like carving out some time in your daily life and saying, this has to be something that's important to me. Just like health, like you guys carve out time to go hit the gym. I don't, um, you know, but, but carving out time to start learning about certain investments Mm -hmm. that are interesting to you is it's the it's imperative. Like it is imperative because otherwise the alternative is what you're on social security and that's all. And we don't know what, we don't even know what's going to happen with social security. Like you're relying on the government or you're relying on your kids to take care of you when you're old or, or what you're going to be a 70, 70 year old homeless person. Like this is not optional. Mm -hmm. So making it something that you start to focus on. And it doesn't take a lot. It doesn't take a lot of time to really get something going. Like go dump 50 bucks a week into some sort of, uh, you know, Vanguard, uh, Vanguard fund, or go start learning about crypto and go start figuring out like, am I going to start put some money in Bitcoin or go figure out, um, real estate stuff and how can I get it, get more involved in owning real estate. But it's like, it's like about building, it's about, I didn't realize how much like discipline is involved in like the financial discipline or time discipline it takes to do these things every week. Like I've heard case studies about this guy who raised his kid and at a young age when he was raising his kid, he's like, okay, every year you have to donate a percentage of what you're making. And you also have to like invest a percentage of what you're making. And a lot of people never do that. And if you, you have to build these habits where you're like, consistently stashing money away or consistently acquiring that skill it's I I never framed it up that way but that's what it takes is like every year every every, you have to be motoring the right direction and eventually you hit that bell curve where the seeds you've planted start to sprout yeah you're exactly right and it and it is really slow in the beginning like it feels really bad and my dad he always he was a business owner but he chose stocks like that. He chose the stock market and he, and he liked big mutual funds. He didn't get super fancy and he would invest in businesses and stuff like that when the opportunities, uh, when the opportunities came about, but it was just a slow progression, just a little bit of money every week or every month into this account. And then that became a little bit more money and lifestyle creep is another huge issue. Oh, I'm excited to hear yeah. about this. So like when we all, when we graduated from high school or college, like I remember in college, my budget for going out was 20 bucks a week. Like that was my entire life budget. Like I, I'd be like, okay, I can go to the movies and I can get a meal once a week. And then slowly over time, lifestyle just builds up and it's so easy to say, oh, now I'm making five grand a month. I can afford a $600 a month car payment. I can afford a $1,500 a month mortgage. And then I can afford, and before you know it, you've got all these obligated payments that you're making. You've got $3,500 worth of obligated payments. You've got very little money that, uh, uh, that you can decide, like very little discretionary income that you can decide where that needs to go. You're basically cash flowing for other people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude, that's exactly what we're doing. And and I think that it's an um, I think it's an American thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, where we're really focused on, and and maybe I'm guilty of it too. Like I love buying hunting gear. I love, dude, mm-hmm. when the mail comes and I open that, th- those freaking single, the single devils, when I open the mail, I was like, yes, <laughs> you know, th- this is going to be so fun. And I feel that way. It, it's a dopamine hit. It like, is. It, I mean, it literally is. How many Amazon boxes show up at everyone listening's house? Oh, dude. A week. Dude. A week. It's, Yeah. Yeah. You don't even remember making that order. You're yep. like, oh, I don't remember what I ordered. What do I, what did I get? Yeah. So it's just, it's another Dopamine. thing that you, yeah, <laughs> yes. but you, it's, it's the discipline to say, but I also feel the same when I buy, like before we, when I was at Tim's house, I bought some Bitcoin and I was like, but I get that same feeling when I push the trade button. I was like, yeah. So if you can just transition mm-hmm. the dopamine hit from stuff that goes down in value to stuff that goes up in value mm-hmm. and you can make that a thing where and it's not like I'm just going to be a hermit and I'm going to live on $500 a month so that I can pour 4,500 bucks a month into, you know, into investments. It's not right. that. It's just about like, can I start making the tweak where when I see that money come out of my, uh, out of my account every month for a $200 going into that Vanguard account that that feels good, mm-hmm. then then I think you're on the right track. It's yeah. just flipping that script and buying more appreciating assets. Yep. There stuff are a lot that of goes up in value yeah. rather than stuff that goes down. Yeah. Yeah. But I want an $80,000 lifted diesel truck. And that's okay if you and have... And I want the payments. If, if you have your foundation taken care of first, you know, where you're, you, you're financially stable and things are taken care of, you can... Like, it's okay to spend money, but you just have to take care of that baseline foundational level first. Well, yeah. let's figure it out, Brandon. So you... Here's what I know about you. You're, you have a general contractor's license. Yep. You have a real estate management company that has over 400. I'll just give you the rundown. Yeah, so they're give all, me the, they're all, the umbrella. They're all synergistic businesses that were built around owning and retaining rental property. So when I transitioned over from music, I, I was like your wife. I loved HGTV. Yep. Like I was dude uh, all day. Like that was what I was watching. And I wanted to, I wanted to try flipping a house. So in between tours, um, we were scheduled to go out, you know, whatever, 60 days later, I found a house and bought it. And then literally watching YouTube videos in the house. Cause I wasn't born with my general contract, general contractor's license. Like I, I was getting some comments that people were like, yeah, but you're a general contractor. Like, you know how to do this stuff. And I was like, what the, like, I didn't have a general contractor's license in 2006 when I started doing this. So like, just be willing to learn. And I'm literally learning on YouTube how, I don't even think it was YouTube at the time. I think it was something else. How do I tile a floor? Like I'm just, I want to tile you this probably kitchen read a floor. blog article. Yeah, I may have, I may have but, uh, pictures. Yeah, exactly. But I'm literally standing in the kitchen of this house that I had no business buying. I had no idea how to do it. And I made more money flipping that first house than I did the previous year touring. And I never went back out on the road. And it wasn't because I had been crushing it out on the road. It was, and, and I, you know, I didn't murder it on that first. I think I made 30 grand or something like that on the first flip, but I loved it. And I was like, this is something that I can, that I can really dig my teeth into and I can really maximize this. And I can see a future where I could start buying rentals and start keeping some houses. And then I started building businesses around that. I I went and I did another flip and it's, it sounds so easy to just say, I went and did another flip. It is 
terribly I difficult. I went and dangled my balls out <laughs> on a line it, it's, and yes, put and, money down yep. and speculated that this thing was going to work. Yeah. You 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 gambled on yourself. Yeah, but there are challenges there there are different challenges in every market. At that point in time, money was really easy to come by. So like money was super easy. And so and and now money is kind of easy, but it's really difficult to find deals. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter. Like th- there is always a way, but you're, there's always challenges to overcome. There's always a freaking mountain you have to climb. Right now, the mountain is finding the deals. In 2009, 10, 11, 12, the challenge was, was finding money, money yeah. because their deals were abundant. And if I would have, dude, we could have, oh, I remember, I remember making, I, I said, I want to offer on everything that's on MLS that's priced at under $10,000 in Nashville. And I remember writing 20 offers on stuff that was priced under 10 on grand. lots? No. Some of them were freaking houses, but they were in the super hood. You know, okay. like, dude, if, if for four years, if we would have bought everything that was priced at 100000 or lower, like if I would have just gone to a hedge fund and we bought 1,500 houses, they're all worth triple, triple oh, yeah. what, they, what they were then. But we didn't. I'm that's just me like looking back and being like, well, obviously if I knew the future, I could be super wealthy. Yeah. You know, that's, that's stupid, but it's fun to, it's fun to think about. But at every, the point of all this is people will, people will use the excuse. Well, I don't have any money. I don't have any money. I can't go flip a house. It doesn't matter if you don't have any money, figure out how people with no money go flip houses. If you want to flip a house. And the answer is find a partner with some money borrow hard money because you actually found a good deal. So you're paying a higher interest rate sure. on the money. But when you, when you add all this stuff in that you're actually still safe and you're actually making money it pencils out. Yeah, exactly. Or talk to a relative with some money and be like, Hey, listen, I really want to do this. This is, and I, I hate to ask, but I want to pay you a good interest rate and I want to try to flip a house. So there's like these, these in-betweens if you're not bankable and then you work on getting your credit score fixed if it's screwed up, like you actually dig in and you look at that thing and you figure out like, Oh man, yeah, I had this medical debt that I just didn't pay on and go call them up and try to settle that debt. And you start putting your house in order and moving forward because then in three years, once you've actually started deciding, I'm going to put my feet to the trail every single day, you look back and go, wow, I've really made some progress here, Mm. but you got to just decide like, what's your investment strategy? If you're not, if you're not interested in real estate, fine. But you got to be interested in something. You got to decide what are you going to buy that's going up in value. Wow, that's all it is. I like it. I, I think it's cool. So you, yeah, you have a lot of things that you're managing and stuff. Oh yeah, I totally forgot to talk about the actual businesses. Tell me about your businesses and, right. and then kind of how you can, um, like their businesses, meaning like they run on their, they run while you're not, like you're right. not, you don't have internet access right now. Correct. You can't put out fires. You yeah. can't answer your phone or check email, but stuff's still going on right now. Yeah, whether whether or that? not it's as like, well oiled as it should be, you're exactly right. I'm gonna get go. I'm gonna get home. My project manager is gonna be like, I made some decisions, and I'm gonna be like, Oh, I wouldn't have done that. But yeah, yeah so um, the core is I've got I've got two other business partners, and we we are the communist society of urban dwell homes. Like we are, we the three of us basically share everything. We've got. Uh, the marketing guy who's the realtor, he's in charge of buying the houses and selling them. We've got the CFO who's in charge of taking care of 
you know, getting loans, the bank financing stuff, um, and, and tax work. And then I'm our general contractor and I'm design. I'm, I'm basically they'll, they'll, uh, you know, put the raw material in. And then it, when it comes out of my team, it's a finished house, whether it's a rehab or new construction, our bread and butter is basically building new houses and doing rehabs, but the businesses that have, so through the downturn, we were buying rental property. And when we got to a certain point, when we got about 50 units, we said, we need to, we need to put a property management company in place because we don't want to be the ones that are taking the phone calls every single day to deal Heck with this. to the no. Yeah. <laughs> so we partnered with another buddy of ours and we basically put our units together. Not, you know, like we, we ended up having like a hundred put- and. Yeah, we put our units together. <laughs> yep, just a tip, and then and then we uh, and then we hired a, we hired one employee to kind of take care of that. And then the property management company has grown. Now it's got a couple employees, and we manage about four hundred units or so. And it kind of goes up and down. But it we built that business as just like a little. We just wanted to not take the phone calls. But then it kicks off a little money every quarter. And so that's nice. Like when that money hits the account, you're like, sweet, I forgot that that was coming in. That's that's a nice thing to have. And then we built that to support keeping the houses. Yeah. Okay. So new construction, I wanted to start keeping more con- more new construction. And because the houses are better energy rated, they're better built than a house that was built in 1975. Like they just are. So... We wanted to keep them and they're a lot more valuable. So if I can get $2 million worth of new construction that I'm keeping, that's appreciating 3% a year, Mm -hmm. that's more better than keeping $300,000 worth of, you know, used old houses that are appreciating 3% a year. So we built a, we, we decided to go into Airbnbs. Like, so we started strategically buying around the Nashville area in places that we knew people would want to come stay. And we started building expensive, nice houses in those areas and keeping them as Airbnbs. And we just started, we kind of got to a point where when COVID hit, we lost our property management company because like, there's nothing to manage and people don't pay, they don't have to pay. Exactly. So we started over and we've actually started a business where it's a short-term rental management company. So now we've got, you know, we've got people that are in place that are managing the short-term rentals. And then we started a marketing company because it's hard to find deals. So we found this young kid. He's a, you know, super high output guy, like just, you know, at the office at six, leaves at seven, like just super motivated. He's in place, you know, making 150,000 touches in Nashville a quarter. So, so that we can feed deals into the machine. Um, and yeah, so we've just built synergistic businesses that are around that are around uh, this thing. And then my construction, the construction side, we've got you know multiple employees that are doing different things, and they're all so much better than I am at it. Like they're so much better than I am. When I get involved, I get in the way. And like Michelle, who is kind of the like control center, you know, like she's just kind of like command center. She's like, I'm like, I'll handle that, and she's like, No, no, I'll handle it. <laughs> You know, like you're just going to get in the way. That's cool. Yeah. So, but it was, I think that like just knowing you're, it's, it's nerve wracking to let go and let somebody else do it, but like making the hire and saying, okay, go like I'm making a cringy face and then not letting go and not, and just delegating by abdication. Like just being like, I'm never going to check in with you ever again. You can't do that, but you will find that leveraging people 
and and then learning like Robert Kiyosaki's rich dad was doing, learning what people fit in what place becomes the skill. It's no longer I'm a fantastic tile person because mm-hmm. I was. Yeah, I got good at it and I liked doing it, but it didn't make sense because it wasn't scalable. It wasn't scalable for me to show up every day and to and to you know get my mud mix perfect because there was something so satisfying about the way that slapped down <laughs> first. You know, like that that's not sustainable me managing multiple people that can do tile and understanding what makes a good tile person that's that's sustainable and it's scalable for the long term so it became a different skill but it was change it was about changing gears over time well wow, you guys and, have stayed very fluid it sounds like like let's talk about covid comes out and the government says and i'm just yeah spitballing off what i've heard you say this week is uh yeah about that written signed contract between you the landlord and your tenant yeah that thing's like null and void and they ain't got to pay you but you got to pay your real estate taxes and uh and your mortgages your property taxes and your mortgages yeah which includes the insurance like those guys still get to get paid that's just gonna come out of your pocket not your yeah like so how did how'd you guys overcome that and stay fluid um i mean i think that you're exactly right. Like you always have to be paying attention because something's always changing. The book "Who Moved My Cheese." Oh yeah, yeah, I've it, read that. Yeah, is, a long it, time ago. is a great one, man. Yeah. Like it, it's it's exactly right. Like a mouse is used to going to a certain place to get cheese, yep. and then the cheese moves. And if you keep going back to the old place, <laughs> yep. there is no cheese there. Yep. You have to go find the cheese again. So we we've always just kind of kept that mentality of That's being awesome. flexible and understanding that the market is ever changing. Um, so as far as COVID stuff goes. I think we were pretty fortunate, like the property management company, they're great. Like the, the employees that we have there are freaking awesome and super rock solid. We were lucky because I think that a lot of like, we were sending out letters to people, letting them know, like, if you cannot prove that you were drastically affected by COVID, then you, you can't just like stop paying rent. Like you have to have been drastically affected. And here's the law. Like we weren't threatening people. We're sending them like, here are the stipulations. We were letting them know that we were paying attention and that we were going to pursue if, uh, if there was fuckery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, so I think kind of trying to, um, yeah, trying to preempt and, and manage that stuff was, was really smart. Um, but we've got friends, man, that like, are ready to go show up and go take front doors off of houses because it's their house. Like I own this property and we have established private property rights in the United States. And you're exactly right. The government just came in and said, Oh, you have agreed with this other person that they will pay you for the use of your private property. And now they don't have to like, okay, I need my air conditioning back. I need my AC unit. I need my front door. I need my windows. Oh, by the way, we need to re-roof the house and I'm going to just take a little while for it and you <laughs> yeah. can't do this stuff that's all illegal we don't do it like you, you can't do it but the, the bottom line is we, I feel like we're just getting lucky because I know that there are landlords that are getting hammered and I don't know with my mentality kind of this like more hardcore libertarianism I think that I would really struggle not to show up and be knocking on doors every single day saying you need to leave the house because you're not paying me. And I don't care what the reason is. I, I do feel, I feel empathy for you that you have COVID and that you lost your job, but I can't let that problem affect me. I'm sorry, but there are laws. And by the way, I'm not that involved in the property management company for that reason, because, 100%, yeah. because I would 
be the guy that would show up, <laughs> get get out of my house. So, yeah, mm-hmm. know thyself. <laughs> yeah, so you are you have another video coming out, a part two that you said. Yeah. Uh, when's that dropping? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay. I gotta Sooner get home than later. later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I've got to get the Mere Mortal video done. Like, I, it, it's all right. You're advertising what you're going to do, which is great. So it's going to hold you accountable. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Cool. I'm looking forward to watching both those. Yeah, dude. That'll be good. I, I think I like having you in this space, this bow hunting space. I don't feel like anyone's really ever, like, revealed um, – how to afford this really expensive lifestyle of bow hunting it's expensive it is you either have to kind of do uh, you know go into debt or stay in your own state uh and weekend warrior it uh yep. maybe you know maybe blue collar guys burn a week to go elk hunting yeah or you know take it to my extreme where you've like literally restructured your life around it <laughs> yep. which i have um it just it comes down to what you value um, and, and maybe look, take this podcast as a stepping stone to get to a quiet space and look at where you're at, where you're going and what do you value, uh, and how can you create the life that you want to lead? Yeah. Uh, I think that's really valuable stuff. That's why I do this podcast in this long form, because I think that it's, it gets people thinking and I'm learning from you right now, like throughout this entire discussion, your perspectives, which is different than mine. And it's cool to understand like how you kind of got to where you're at. Um, we've said some cool stuff like the, the whole judgy, going back to the whole judgy Christian thing, like, man, that's like that hit harm that hit home with me. Like I've totally been turned off by faith and stuff like that with being surrounded by, and probably being one, like having a great understanding of, you know, the Bible and digging in on that and, and just looking down upon others yeah. and then which is so funny because if you look at the main character of this whole story right it's really about loving god with all your heart and all your soul and loving your neighbor as you love yourself which the latter is the hardest for me okay to genuinely love people that are hard to love yes is what i think what we're called to do and it's the it's the ult- it is the ultimate uh bow that you can't tune you know what I mean? It's impossible <laughs> to get it to shoot arrows straight yeah. because we're human and we just we get caught up in our own stuff. And uh, it's cool to to take a step back this week and bear hunt. Um, I was genuinely excited and proud of you getting a bear last night. Like, like I don't know. I, I probably don't do a good enough job, but like I, I mean, I'm all business when I showed up because I'm like, okay, we have a job to do. Like right. we're blood trailing. I've trailed many bears. I'm taking the lead. We're gonna find this bear. Show me the shot. Tell me the story. Uh, we're gonna get into that in a second. But like, when it was all said and done, and we got to the bear, I was just so proud of you, man. Like I, I, I know that feeling of like, am I gonna get even gonna see a bear? Am I gonna get a shot? Am I gonna like make the shot? Um, am I going to get the bear and all these unknowns? And then that feeling, Yeah, I want to bottle it up, but tell me where was that feeling where you were like, <sighs> you could exhale and you're like almost imp- it's impossible to be exhausted because you're so high on what you've just done. When we, when we hit the log, the, the log where you said when bears are running for some reason, they will always run on logs. And that, log walkers. En- and that entire log was covered in blood. And you could see the paw prints where the blood had been leaking down its arm. It was a 20-foot log, maybe longer. Was it – how long? 
it was a 20 yeah, something foot like mall. that but like, i mean it's not like a yeah, it was, and it wasn't like little drips of blood. Like it was, like, just, it was like a dry, crusty log that you could see the perfect prints. You yeah, know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. like there was bark on it. It was, it yeah. was a painting. Yep, and and it was at that point that I was like, I'm. We were gonna find the bear. Like I was, I was relatively certain uh, early on. I was optimistic, but it was at that point that I was like, we are close to this bear. Um, man, what I've realized on this trip is like, I've done some solo hunts. And it's a totally different thing, but like being with you guys out here and the experience of being with a community of hunters and like that, that shared rah, rah of, of, of guys getting stuff. Like I, it's like freaking visceral. It's a genetic thing. That's like written into our code to be able to go out as a group and go hunt stuff. And it's so freaking cool. So, um, I think that's like my big takeaway. I'm, we've been talking about real estate. We've been talking about business. My big takeaway, like I'm watching everything that you guys do when it comes to the bear hunting. And I'm asking a bunch of questions because again, this is new for me. So to be able to learn from you guys and learn from people that have done this a long time is super valuable. So I'm, I'm super thankful for that. Um, moving back over to the, uh, to the bear. Yeah. It was at that moment with the log where I, where I knew like, this is we're on it yeah mm-hmm. yeah it was a good feeling and i've trailed a lot of bears and i i can tell you they their hair is like no other species where it's their hair is long and it's made of material like a sponge so even if you shoot a bear and you double lung it and blood is pumping out like it doesn't leave the the sponge hair Right. And so when you get your bear, finally, you're like, oh, here's where all the blood is. It's soaked into this sponge hair. So the, bears notoriously just don't bleed. Uh, they're also notoriously thin-skinned, like super, and they're not hard to get an arrow through. It's not like, you know, you don't need a ranch fairy arrow per se, <laughs> you know, but like it wouldn't hurt. Sure. I mean, you shot yours with a 600 grain bullet last night. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about shot placement and let's talk about the shot. Um, let's tell, let's go through the story. Yeah, Cause sure, I think it's sure. a pretty cool story. Yeah. How we, you show up to this camp and I'm like, Brandon, you literally picked the worst week. It's <laughs> the highs are in the eighties and we're going to hit 90 on Wednesday. Bears don't like heat. We need overcast. We need 50 degrees with intermittent showers, and we'll be bear hunting all day and seeing multiple bears. Yeah. But you decided to come late, so it's your, you know. <laughs> well, that's what, what you told me to come. Yeah, I know. It's I just, actually think it was Tim's fault because Tim was like, this is, I can take this, you know, yeah. yeah. I will so take we'll the fault for, for you getting a bear in the mountains of Idaho. Yes. Yeah, so Brandon's going to hop offline for a second, but here's kind of the backstory. We started this a couple months ago, invited Brandon out. We invited Brandon out to Idaho because we wanted to meet him. We wanted to hang out with him. And he really wanted to archery hunt a bear. He was, you know, he's like your traditional archery guy where he's like, Dan, he's stubborn. He doesn't want to give up. He doesn't want to give up the bow. And uh, it's not easy to do in these hills. Like when I look around at the people that get it done with a bow, it's few and far between on a bear. And with Dan, we kind of pivoted. We, we wanted to do spot and stock, but Dan was like, hey, guys, it's like so warm. And we're, we, we know there's bears in this basin, so let's throw out a couple bait sites. And uh, hopefully we can glass it and do like a ground and pound setup where you can glass it and then you can move in on it. You can glass it and then you can move in on it. 
And long story short, Brandon and I were going to go smoke this bait. Well, let me pause for a second. So the ground and pound, Tim, like that evolved. So for years, I never spot and stocked bears. I didn't, I didn't know about it really. I didn't think it was truly possible. And probably now like that's, I have had way more success uh, and way more fun doing spot and stock bear hunting. And so it's, it's evolved, but how ground and pound came to be was we would set up baits, put trail cameras on it, put a tree stand up. We'd go back and bait every week, twice a week, uh, check trail cam. We just put our scent all over the bait and we would get bears to come in, but we'd also get mature bears to show up and they would literally only show up at middle of the night. And if they did show up during the day, it was always when we were not there. And we were like trying to figure out, well, let's move the tree stand here or there. And we, there was no, like, let's wait till the thermal switch and we'll just slip into the tree stand. The last, it didn't matter what we did. Bigger bears were just outsmarting us and getting encircling and getting us winded. So then we evolved to let's put the bait here. Let's it's on a abandoned cat road. It's 500 yards. We'll, there's no way a bear can smell us if we observe the bait 500 yards away on this hill. And when a bear shows up, this cat road puts us in a position to where we're coming at this bear at its level. The thermals are perpendicular. This bear will not. And that happened in about 2011, 2012, where we started doing ground and pound setups. And that's just the name we came up with it. But So you're kind of baiting, but you're not sitting a blind or a stand, and you're nowhere near, and it keeps your scent away for these bigger bears. And it's kind of exciting to it's sneak in on a bear. That's, <laughs> and then it worked out really well. Um, so that's kind of how we came to the ground and pound. And I've talked to a lot of bear hunters now and found out that I didn't invent it. People have been doing it for years. But it does. it is definitely – so here's my new bear take. I like hunting spot and stock bears. Season opens April 15th here. You can't get to a lot of places. Huge advantage because there's not a lot of greenery. So it's like you're actually hunting multiple bait sites in the mountains. Bait site number one is that tiny little green patch of grass that just started growing. Mm -hmm. There's bait site number one. Over here in this glade, it's just about melted off. That'll be bait site two next week. And so as the season goes on, your 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 little funnels and pinch points of where bears should be this is the only places where there's available grass starts expanding and then once you get to about end of may like it's really hard to know where you're going to see a bear because there's green grass everywhere right. and so to start baiting as this season goes through june 30th here it's like yeah this is actually a great time to put out a bait site and it doesn't you're not late because bears are now spread out everywhere and we that's what's so cool about this bear that Brandon got is that bait set, got set and within 12 hours we had a bear on it. Yep. So anyways, as you were. Yes. And these bait sites are also, they're very strategic. It's not like we're just sitting in a spot where you can only watch one thing. It's, it's very centrally located so you can check the bait site and then go glass. And, and that's the ideal situation where we're maximizing the amount of effective ground we can cover. So we set this bait and then Brandon and I actually weren't supposed to go up to this bait. One thing led to another. We wanted, we ended up up there and we come around the corner and Brandon and I like from 175 yards, 200 yards are looking at the bait 
and Brandon says, there's a bear. And Brandon. Yeah, so so we saw the bear, and I, I was super surprised because it was early in the day, you know, maybe like 3.30 or something like that. And hot. Yeah, and it was hot. hot. So the bear starts starts working the bait, and, and Tim and I literally – uh, did we because Tim's Tim's hunting, I'm hunting, and we were like, okay, who's who's gonna take this thing? Like, we got to figure this out. So we literally did a uh, rock paper scissors, and I just happened to win rock. At, by the way, at 150 nice. yards, <laughs> right, right. We're rock paper scissoring at 150. Both of us trying to get our cameras and gear and all that crap ready. It's pretty funny. I wish that was on video. <laughs> yeah. I know it, we may have the audio of it. I don't, I don't, I don't know if we had it, <laughs> if we'd had them clicked off yet or not. So basically, I won, and and the plan was. Load up the bow and start slowly working your way down this cat road. And it's it's relatively exposed. There was some there was some cover on the left hand side, but the goal was get within bow range and then uh, and then make a shot. So Tim, uh, we're both kind of looking at the bear, and it's basically when the bear's got his head turned away, you kind of start moving. And so Tim would be like, "Hey, you know, go." And and I would start moving, and then I would see okay, the look, I can see the bear good, and then we'd start moving. So Tim's behind me with the camera. We get to thirty-seven yards. Oh, so both of you were stalking. Yes. Yep. So Tim's right. Yeah, Tim's right behind okay. me. And um, you were right, by the way, Tim. Like that cat road is very quiet. Like there's not a lot of crunchy stuff on. Yeah, that not cat a lot road. of big crunchy stuff. Which, by the way, for those listening, it's more important that you don't break a stick or make like bears hearing. People don't give them credit. I feel like their hearing is 10 times better than their sight. Oh, okay. Like I wouldn't worry too much about cover. I just wouldn't make sure to make very slow methodical movements. As long as you hold still, if they ha- look up, they're not going to, they can't see well, they yeah. can't see worth a crap. And it, see, it and you could kind of tell cause yeah. Yeah. You could kind of tell that, that, that was the, that that was their weakest, that that was their weakest um, sense for sure. So we get to 37 yards and there's this one freaking little short pine tree that's right that's covering the vitals and i was like we have to we have to sidestep this thing so i can get a little bit of a view and literally we're about to take two steps and then the bear turns and sees us and is like ah, i'm gonna bounce so it takes off kind of down the down the road into some heavy stuff I'm like, crap you know but we both realized like the wind's still good and he didn't bolt like he was super freaked out and tim was like that bear's gonna come back that bear is going to come back. So we back back out and kind of talk about a few things, what we're going to do. And, and then Tim basically ends up leaving me at the site and I'm just going to sit and watch it. So I'm about 150 yards off. Uh, and I, it's middle of the day, so it's super hot. So I move up the road to be in some shade. And as the sun's setting, it's actually basically the, the way the shadows are moving. It's moving me back down the hill toward the start of the cat road. So it was perfect. Love it. Um, yeah. And I'm laying on the side of the hill at one point. It's been two hours or so, two hours, two and a half hours. And I hear some sticks popping up in, up in the hill. And I was like, okay, I don't know what this is. Grab my bow and six mule deer bucks start cruising down this little lane. And they, they start feeding on the hill. That's kind of on the South side of the, of the cat road. And 15 minutes later, up walks this bear. He starts walking like, like climbing up the steep part of the hill. And so I poop in my pants a little bit because I'm like, I'm about to get a shot at this thing and load up the bow, grab the tripod with the, with the camera on the top of it, bow in the left hand, you know, camera tripod in the other hand and punch the record button. I take my shoes off, slowly start working down the road and the muleys are still there. 
And so I can hear them kind of clunking around. <laughs> and, and they're going to smell you. Right, like the no, way the wind's going no, down. No, no, the, the wind's wind was, jamming. The wind, dude, was perfect. Love it. it was the perfect scenario. Just still moving uphill. The thermals hadn't switched and weren't, weren't taking me down. But they, but I knew they were going to see me because I could see them. Okay, gotcha. And and so, I get to a certain point, and the deer, they don't blow. Like they just kind of, they're like, do mule deer blow? Like white some, deer? some will, but okay. but rarely that they will. Like, seems like most mule deer will do a couple of bounds. Yeah. To just get some distance, and then they'll kind of stop exactly and observe what they you. Yeah, but they're bucks, so they're kind of stupid. Yeah, and and you know, like they're not that worried. So yeah, they they bounce around a little bit, and it actually the bear. I think that it drew the attention of the bear, but he looked at them and was like, "Those are deer. That's cool." So I I continue to slowly move my way around, and I basically get to fifty yards. The deer then bounce all the way out, like they they they've had enough of me being there. The bears the bears hitting the bait. And then the bear sees me. I'm at 50. I've got, I've, I've set the tripod up, adjusted the camera. So like, like I'm on the bear who's kind of working around the bait. And then the bear stands up and starts to walk away on that same exact path that the bail, the bear had bailed on earlier in the day. And I was like, oh, no man, gosh. another freaking blown stock. And then it turns around and faces me and just looking and it starts bobbing its head back and forth. And then it bows up, like it starts spreading its front legs out, and and it's puffing. And I was like, okay, I'm 50 yards from a bear that looks like it kind of is mad at me right now. <laughs> yep. So there's a little bit of that hole, like a little more poop comes out. And then the bear sidesteps this little pine shrub that's right that that that's covering it. And I mean, it's basically 50 on the nose. And I was like, well, he was he was. I'll say quartering two, but it was kind of a mix between quartering two and straight frontal. It was almost frontal. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a, yeah, it's not a shot that I would, I was super excited to make, but I didn't think he was going to, I don't think he was going to present a broadside shot. I think he was just going to turn and run. So I drew, you know, drew slow, let the pin settle. And I decided I was going to just kind of plan it right on the, on the side of his neck and, you know, hope to just drive it straight through and, and punch the heart. So I take the shot, bear dives downhill. I go watch the footage and I can see that the arrow connected. So I, you know, do a little quick, like, holy crap, you know, handshaking video, wait maybe 10 minutes. And then I start walking down looking for the arrow. And right about that time, Tim comes up and 10 yards from the initial contact, from the initial shot, there's a big splatter of blood on a rock. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, yes, I obviously a hundred percent positive that I hit the arrow. We grabbed the arrow and it's pretty clean. And I asked him, I was like, is that, you know, I know that their fur works in a certain way. Is this some, is it possible for the arrow to have gone all the way through and then to come out clean on the backside? Because it's basically just like a giant sponge ripping everything off. And he was like, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's possible. Um, but I was pretty optimistic cause we, cause we saw good blood. And then we tracked for maybe 20 yards, and then we heard your bike coming. Mm-hmm. And so Tim ran back up and, and grabbed you, and then you went into Dan freaking business mode. All right, <laughs> tell me what happened. Let's go, let's go find this <laughs> thing. And we start tracking, and I'm certain that we're tracking a, a bear that's 200 pounds, 250, 300, 350. I killed the yeah. biggest, beer, biggest Tim bear Tim literally in the said, valley. dude, he shot a big bear. Yeah. And you guys had told me that you saw the bear earlier because uh, I, I actually ran into you guys before – yeah. After the first blown stock, 
I came through, we reconvened, um, and then you were like, yeah, pretty good chocolate bear was right here. And I was like, dude, this is awesome. This yeah. is, this is, this is such yep. a good setup. You got to stay here. Uh, and then, um, Tim went to the other setup, the other basin. I call that bear basin because I think we have 12 different bears in there that we've seen. This year has been good in there. It's been good in there. It And it's, it's been awesome. So yeah. So I roll back and I saw your headlamp below the bait and I saw a headlamp at the bait and I was like, Oh, I know what this is. And so I'd got, went over there and you kind of told me the story and then, um, you, you did not show, you asked me if I wanted to see the shot on camera and I was like, not nah, really. Do you have the arrow? And you're like, yeah. And I was like, okay, I want to look at the arrow and then just kind of tell me what you think. And then uh, I'll tell you about the shot and the camera and all that afterwards. Cause that's when I watched it after we found the bear, I watched that. So yeah. Anyways. Okay. All right. So, so we start cruising down the blood trail and it's the way the dirt kicks out on the hillside, when the dirt kicks under his paws, it creates a wet spot. So it, it was really obvious, like it was pretty easy to follow the, you know, follow the trail. And you were exactly right. You said that bears run downhill when they're shot or they run on the contour. And that's exactly what it did. So Dan's just like all business. Tim and I've got all this, you know, Tim's got a gun and a camera. I've got a bow and a camera and Dan's just, you know, just pushing through alders and just, yeah, just, just tracking that bear. But the blood's super good. I mean, just, just spraying out of this thing. And it's like I said, we, we hit that log that's 20 feet long, you know, a white log that was sun bleached and just covered in blood. That's what I said. We should see this bear within the next 30, 40 yards exactly or right. we're in trouble. Yep. And then we, we get to one spot and you go like, you guys are, you guys are kind of held up pause there. And you were like, there's your bear right there, man. And I came around the corner and I was like, that can't be my bear. That's a German shepherd. <laughs> that's a little, that's a little baby. Um, no, I mean, I, I knew that it, I knew that obviously it was, we'd been, we've been tracking the thing, but it was so small compared to what we thought it was. And it was just like all the hair and the way this thing had postured, it looked like a little tank, <laughs> but it was so small. I literally was able to just throw it on my shoulders and carry it out without, without gutting it. I mean, it was a small bear, but dude, my first bear with a bow, my first bear ever, but like with a bow and that type of scenario was so freaking cool to be able to ground and pound, work in on it, and then take that shot was, was so fun. So that the actual shot, the body on this thing, when we got them all skinned out, I mean, was the size of maybe a basketball, maybe like a it, small basketball. Yeah. I mean, it was a small bear and uh, and my shot had hit a little bit to the right and I had nicked, I had, well, I didn't nick it. I, I demolished the artery that basically is leading into the front left leg. And it, I mean, he just bled out in a hundred yards. Yeah. You hit that brachial artery. And it also like, I remember seeing the entrance hole, which turns out to be the only hole. We didn't know that at the time, but I was like, holy, like the hole that you yeah. made. I think I said on camera, I'm like, this is proof that you don't have to shoot a ridge in the cage and get an entry hole like this like you were using the iron wheel wide yep 125 yep vented 125 vented and that i mean i've just that was the best hole i've ever seen on a bear entry wise okay so then that just destroys the argument that you got to use an expandable 
you which you can't in Idaho anyways, but like that hole was like it was big, crazy. man. Crazy. Yeah, I think no, that was, was a pretty clutch gear selection. Dan and I have been jamming and talking about using the wides for bears because they're light skinned. Yeah. Penetration's not the priority. It's more getting getting width and doing damage and man, it was really cool to see that you use that and I'll be I'll be using wides. Well, we'll see. I have the single bevel I'm still trying to shoot a bear with, but like yeah. I have the wides and I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it does too. I mean, but, uh, but I also like that you guys are being intentional with the gear that you're selecting based on the species of animal, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. you understand what you're hunting. You understand why, you know, maybe with an elk, maybe right. with a moose, that single bevel is the way to go. Right. Um, but then with the bear, the wide. Yeah. I, the only thing that I don't like about the wide is it, is it sings when it's going through the air a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, but they do make, I think he makes a wide solid, uh, that, that I need to look into. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if, ha- if it has the bleeders on it or not, which I, I like the bleeders. I think the I bleeders think. are a must. In yeah, my for opinion. sure. For sure. But so when we got back to the, the road with the bear on your shoulders and you were like, Hey, check, you want to see the shot, the video now? I'm like, yeah, number one, great job framing. So, cause I've done the ground and pound film over the shoulder with yourself. It's not easy. No. You did a good job. The arrow flight's awesome. I cannot wait to watch it on a laptop. So yeah. I'm watching it on like a very tiny screen of a Canon camera. Yeah. And I just see in left field an arrow come whizzing out through because it's not over the shoulder. Right. right. I just see this arrow come into screen. I'm like, oh, and you're playing it in slow-mo. I'm like, oh, there's the arrow, and it's got an awesome trajectory, and then it just drops right in. Great shot, especially now knowing how small of vitals on that. Like that was – the bear looked so much bigger. Like I know bears can puff up and I know they're puff balls, but like at that moment when I'm like, this is the bear you shot and this is the bear on camera. I quit. I do not. <laughs> you did. You said like, that. You're I, like, quit. I quit. Like, I can't. You've shot tens of bears. Yeah. We're, we're up there in yeah. the twenties Yeah, with bows <laughs> and I've never shot a bear with a rifle. I remember the first bear I ever killed 2007 with a bow. I killed boo-boo. <laughs> Just like you did, where I'm like, this was an outfitted hunt. We filmed this bear from the bait. We went back to the camp, show the outfitter. I was like, yeah, I passed on this bear. And I had just gotten back from a hunt where I was on Prince of of Wales Island seeing mega giants. Yeah. And so I kind of like was, yeah, then this bear, I passed on this bear. And the outfitter was like, who do you think you are? Like, <laughs> you don't pass on bears at my camp. Dan Staten. I was like, okay, Roger that. He was really upset. So the next night, we shot the bear that he told us that we shouldn't have passed. And when I walked up to him, I was like, this is 80 pounds of a bear. Yeah. This is stupid. Yeah. And try to take a photo with it. And I, no matter what we did, like, you could just tell I shot a, a rat bear, yeah. a little tiny bear. <laughs> and, um, man, to be honest with you, like, even yesterday while you were doing your thing, I made a stock on a bear. I glassed it a mile away, and I didn't study it. I'll be honest. It was in this glade. I was like, is that a stump? Nope, stump just moved. I'm gone. Because yeah, you have to hustle on bears because they are spazzes. They don't stop moving. So I just jumped on the dirt bike, ripped around a corner, went probably a couple miles, killed. I, I timed it. It took me 15 minutes, and most of that was on a dirt bike, and then I – jammed up over got above this bear got the wind right and i'm like oh that that's a hundred and twenty hundred thirty pound bear yeah. and there aren't 400 pound bears here we don't like that's not a really 
We, first off, we don't weigh bears in the field. We don't bring a tape measure. We don't bring a scale. <laughs> yeah. We don't bring calipers to measure the skull in the field. Like, I, I, I think a lot of the bears around here weigh 150 pounds with their guts inside. Like, you know, that's what they weigh. The bear I killed probably last week, 200 pounds of just pure muscle. Like, I, could, I struggled to move him. Oh, okay. That's a big bear. That's yeah. a good sign. That's a really good size. Uh, that big bear up there that my uh, stepmom shot, I think he was a 300-pound bear because she's, she's got a 300-pound deadlift, and I got a 400-something-pound deadlift, and together we could barely get him lifted up. So he's just a – that's about as big a bear. You but you're this, saying that's rare in this area. like I think it's rare in spring. I mean, they're hibernating right. for six months. Yeah, that they makes lost sense. all their weight. They have no fat on them this yeah, time no of year. Yeah, no fat. That was the other surprising no thing. No fat this time yeah. of year. They don't weigh as much as people say. Um, we're not talking about North Carolina, Tennessee right, bears right. that don't hibernate. You know what I mean? Well, and there's, and it, the North Carolina bears, from what I understand, it's, they're not, they're not, they don't have to be as athletic as the ones here. Like there is no flat spots here. None. It's steep as crap everywhere. So they're working up and down all day long, just burning calories, burning calories. Yeah. It, there's a great cost of doing business here as a bear. Yeah. But we're not, I'm also not like, we're not making excuses. This is super fun. Yeah. Like super fun. Yeah. And and this this area is elk hunting and moose hunting and you want to clean out some of these some of these predators so that they're not, you know, you took a freaking picture with a with a warm elk leg, you know, an elk calf leg. Mm-hmm. Like and that's bears and wolves. So there, we're do, the, you know, predator control, man. There's a reason there's a reduced tag opportunity. Yeah. It's because the predator allocation is too high. Yeah. The thing about bears is that they live such a long life? Oh, uh, really? I didn't. Yeah. I was, there's like not a. You know, like what's the bi- what's the oldest whitetail you've ever killed? Six. Okay, six. I mean, a bear is one third of the way through their life. No kidding. I didn't. Maybe know that they live that long. if they, if I mean if they don't get killed by another bear or a hunter, like who's gonna kill a bear? What's yeah. what's gonna kill another bear? Yeah, a bigger bear. I mean, honestly, bears beat each other up. Yeah. Um. They they live on the landscape for six months out of the year, and in this particular area, where there's logging, there's all these stumps that have grub worms and larvae. There's all these ants under rocks. There's all these green grasses. There's all these huckleberries that last for three months, and then they have more choke cherries, elderberries, uh, who knows whatever heck dead animals. Right. Um, these bears make a really, really good living for about six months, and then they're done. They're in a hole. Um, seen many dens this year, and and they're and they're just dormant for six yeah. months. Like they they live six months out of the year for mult for decades. Uh, I killed a bear one time. I got aged. It's the one. Yeah, that like almost cream colored skull yeah. is the one you pulled 28 out. Twenty eight year old. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that they bear. would get that old. Okay. Uh, and you get them aged, guys. You pull the milk tooth. Uh, they give you a tag. Like you're, you're gonna, we're gonna get your bear checked in uh, today or tomorrow, and they're gonna pull the milk tooth. You're gonna pull the milk tooth. You give it to them. Put an envelope. They're gonna put a number on it. You're gonna have a copy of it. They're gonna congratulate me on my six month old bear. They're gonna yep. give you some bad, a bad time. They're gonna, and then <laughs> you're gonna seal your hide. So you're gonna put a little clip into your hide that says like you, you know, you, or you're good to go. You're legal. Uh, and Brandon kept the bear meat. Cause we're hunters. We eat the bear yeah. meat. Uh, and then, um, 
a year from now you can log in and go call in and get the age of your bear or whatever if you're interested so it's a cool system and they're just trying to manage but uh, i'm here to tell you like bears seems like every sow you'll ever see that's mature will have cubs in the spring yeah two minimum right unless one of the cubs gets picked off by a boar which does happen what's that word called when you when you eat your own or kill your own yeah i can't Mm. remember the word for it if i was if I was meat eater Stephen Ranella, I would know it. I'd yep, be using for sure huge articulate would. words <laughs> and sounding so smart. But guys, that's not me. So bears are. I think. I think. I'm, my point is that bears live a long time, and so if they're really good at making babies and they have longer lifespans, it's kind of like imperative that we help manage. And I think the numbers are way off right now, way off. Yeah. Because I have a real good pulse on this one basin that we've spent a lot of time in, and I've seen. 12 different bears in a square mile. That's got to be above carrying capacity. It seems like it would be. And I mean, you think about the food intake that they have to, that they have to have to support 12 bears in an area that are. And by the way, there was no bait in this one square mile in this basin. Right. Yeah. You, there, you, this you was all, put all the just bait in there. This yep. was just all observing bears. Me and Tim spread out and my dad. Three guys, one small basin, 12 different bears. Insane. So is it like that everywhere? I, I, would, I would venture to say yes. If you drive around and look at all the stumps that are torn apart, all the, all the opportunity, it's crazy. Yeah. And I don't know. So here we are now. It's uh, June 1st at the time of this recording. I have only seen – the only bear rut activity I've seen is the fact that I shot a boar who had a sow. And I, and that was it. And the day before that, or I think it was a couple of days before Tim and I witnessed one boar chasing a sow, um, doing like flirting, like, what would you call it? Call it flirting, courting. Yeah. You know, they're, they're kind of prancing through the hills, but you think it's starting out like, it's, but I haven't just seen it. I'm waiting to see the boar on an old logging road with Dirty. his nose to the ground, just like hound dog in it. Yeah. Like that's what I'm used to seeing, and I have not seen that yet. Got have it. you seen that yet? No. Maybe, we haven't, maybe have you today. seen anything on a road at all? Uh-uh. I haven't either. Uh-uh. Yeah. And that's when you start seeing the bear crap on old logging roads is when uh, you know like okay. either there's a bunch of good grass right here or they're cruising. They're cruising looking for looking for the broads. Yeah. Yep. But haven't seen that yet. Yeah. So, but, um, okay, so we've talked about bear hunting. Any other things you guys want to talk about when it comes to bear hunting, like little nuggets? Do you have any questions? I mean, I would just encourage people to come like it's, it's not an expensive tag and dude, it's so much fun. Like it is so much fun. And the way you guys do it being so mobile, you know, like big looking glassing, big vantages, being willing to jump on the four wheeler or the bike and like, and haul ass and go to a different spot makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Spring in the mountains is just gorgeous, man. Yeah. Like, we're going to do a good job telling that story this year, but like Dan and I, one week are pushing our bikes through snow fields. That's what we're doing. We're doing sled pushes with our bikes through snow fields. The next week, you could drive a truck through there. It's just everything's evolving and changing so fast. It's very fluid, and there's a lot of moving parts. But Yeah, like I was hunting a glade yesterday that last week had a foot of snow in it. But knowing, having been hunting here for a long time, I know that glade produces. Yeah. And I know when it's gone, like you have to just, like it's a, it's a new bait site. It's where I it's so it's one of the places I keep checking as I'm glassing. Yeah. Because I know a bear will be there because it's undeniable the freshest greenest grass which bears like, uh yeah see, that was my second calf kill, I've seen 
like just happen, you know, in all these years of bear hunting. Um, and then last night coming out, I saw a cow elk about a mile up from where I found that calf get killed, basically trying to give birth. Like yeah. as I came, as I cruised by, she like did barely could get off the road. And I, I got a good look at her backside and I was like, Oh God, something's coming out right now. And I didn't want to mess with it. So yeah, I just kept course. going, but it's just a terrible place to give birth. Cause like, but dude, it sounds like every place up there is a terrible place to give birth. And those little 150 pound bear is going to be able to take down one of those, those, those calves. But no those problem. bears, no, it's the yeah. evolution of things. They just, they're used to they're used to cows breeding and they're used to being in the area because that's their meal. You know, it's like the chicken or the egg. Why are they there? Well, they're there because that's how they figured out how to survive. And you guys drove up the same road I did. I don't know. You guys were in a truck, but I, there was a brand new pile of wolf crap that wasn't there yesterday that happened last night, mm -hmm. which also bums me out because I've I already found it. two giant mega giant deadhead moose and bull elk this year with a mile from each other. That bull was crazy that y'all pulled out, filmed the teeth because I posted a picture last week of the deadhead moose and people are like, Oh, that's, that's a winter killer. It could have died of old age. And I think I even commented to the guys like, actually there's wolf crap all around it. The legs are torn off every direction. The bones are broke through. That's a wolf kill. And it's up high. Uh, this bull is in its prime. You're wrong. You know, <laughs> you're, you're wrong. Um, yeah. So to find that bull about a mile away, it's like, I've never, I'm not used to finding these, mega giant deadheads like yeah. these animals get that big because they have programs that are proven mm -hmm. and one of those programs is not evading wolves because you just can't yeah in the winter you can't and these these larger animals do hang higher in the winter uh, and that's probably why they stay alive longer like they're not down with the herds down the valley where the they get messed with so uh, we have a huge predator problem in North Idaho, friends. So if you want to come get a wolf tag and come do an adventure hunt, I think it's damn near year-round hunting. Come do it. Dude, it's so fun. Like, it is 100% worth the money to come up here and do it. You could pitch howls off every basin until you get one located. You can use electronic calls in Idaho. So, dude, bring your— You can't your use lighted knocks, but you can use a freaking electronic howl. And you can't use— uh, Mechanicals. Mechanicals. Yeah, but we don't care about that. <laughs> I don't. Okay, let's finish with archery. That was a great segue. All yeah. right. Oh, yeah. So you have an archery channel. I do. But it's you're you're moving more towards some no. other things too. I mean some other things. I want to talk about the finance stuff a little bit more and, and kind of, you know, Tim and I talked about it a little bit more. Like uh, I want people to get to know me and Jocelyn a little bit more. And so I think you have to open up and it can't just be about like me talking about the latest gear or tech that's, you know, that's come in. I think, I think in order to continue to build like a relationship with people, they have to know more about me. And, and so obviously I want to start talking about finances a little bit more and then, yeah, I, I don't know where it's going to grow and evolve to, but, um, and it's sustainability, man. If you find something interesting, share it yeah. you know like you can't always you can't always make a new video every week about arrows you right. could but you just be recycling information yeah so. for sure for sure yeah yeah they do like arrow videos they do yeah <laughs> well everybody wants heavier to... light brandon what i mean tell me what the ideal weight is you know what i mean i can tell you but me and dan will <laughs> will go to blows over oh do we disagree i still no. don't feel like we do no, you we don't, don't disagree no we don't no, dude. you're in we the don't. same ballpark uh, yeah no no and i i think to yeah 
select based on the species that you're hunting. And I may be heavy right now. Like I didn't need 600 grains to do what I did. But for me, like I've shot an elk with a 600 grain arrow this year. I've shot an axis deer. I've shot two whitetails, an armadillo, and now bear with this exact same arrow. But the subtitle to this is that Brandon has a long ass draw length and he's shooting 275 feet per second. So if Dan hucked a 600 oh, grain, yeah, if Dan hucked a 600 grain arrow out of his setup, it wouldn't be traveling that fast. Yeah. So you can, yeah. you know. Yeah. No, I, I don't even understand. Like, so when I first started my channel, Josh and I would argue, I'd be like, dude, I have 550 grain FMJ and look at all the elk I've killed, Josh. Yeah. So shut your mouth. Like you don't really ever hunt that much. Case in point, he's yeah. not here. Yeah. I hunt more than you. I love that you're dogging him. Right now. Yeah. I hunt more than you, Josh. I don't, you know more about archery, but I have more real life experience. So shut up. But it's the same. You, you have way more real life than I, than I have. It's the yeah. truth. Yeah. But I have come down because when I, three years ago, when I signed with Matthews, I was like, I was used to 85 pound Hoyts. I twisted the strings up tight and I was shooting 550 at 280 and it was unbelievable. I get a Matthews in hand, 75 pound mods. And I'm like, this bow is slower. It feels way better, but it's slower. Yeah. Uh, I gotta, I gotta do something different. And so then Josh and I got our heads together and he was like, well, you like Easton. Why don't you try the axis and get the match grades? Don't be, don't be lame. And I was like, all right, done. And then I started killing stuff with the Axis, and I've really grown to love my sweet spot with that, which is like a 460. Um, but if it's if it's a ratio, what would that ratio be? So a 27-inch draw length at 75-pound mods, yeah. 460. What's that ratio go up to someone with the 30-inch draw I length? I mean, it's 10, it's 10 feet per second per inch. So I'm gaining – I mean, that's a big gain. Like I'm gaining 30 feet per second just because we're shooting the same bow, basically. I've got yeah. the – I'm shooting the 30, I'm shooting the VXR from last year, but 75 pound mods. So yeah, I mean, so I can go up. I'm, I'm, my ratio is probably a little like for me to shoot a 550 is yeah. probably closer to your 460 yeah. is my guess. Yeah. Um, so I don't get hung up on weights too much per se is I, I, I do get hung up on like, like deal breakers for me is uh, fixed because yeah. I feel like it, it eliminates any laziness like any, it requires well, you know your ABT. Bow's in tune. It requires like, ABT. Yeah, it's it's it's, and that's a huge deal. I mean, every day we've gone out and shot, and we've made tweaks to both of our setups. And I'm going to be shooting again today. Yeah, because my bow's been on my backpack rattling around all these mountain roads, and I'll, my rear stabilizer finally broke loose yesterday. <laughs> like, it, it, I can, you know, just. I mean, obviously it's post killing a bear, but like, dude, the bows take a beating, on, especially with, here. Yes, with especially elk hunting here. When there used to be elk here, you literally would come home or go to back to camp and turn the headlights on and shoot a broadhead at 20 <laughs> just, to, just make to make sure, sure that some alder <laughs> didn't punch your sight or your – make sure you're, you know, your rest is coming all the way up. Like you had to do it. Yeah. And the only reason we knew that is because of experience of – losing an opportunity on an elk because you shot a foot to the right of a broadside elk, uh, yeah. elk and you're like at 20 what the, yeah at 20 yes. you're like so you just evolve so i don't know it all i'm not a i just have a lot of time in the mountains like more than your average guy for sure you and do. i do think you being here in the spring 
you're seeing the advantages of, okay, this is not fair. Dan has been bear hunting for three weeks pretty much straight, chipping away all the rust that had collected from December, January, February, March of not checking the wind, of not grid glassing, of not, you know, like not being in backpacking shape. Like it's an undeniable advantage to spring bear hunt, big game. For sure. Yeah, I mean, how many of those early stocks were blown? You know, I was, was five, six, seven. I was, I had seven stocks, three blown, three passed, three, like three get that's up on so, pass, yeah, that's and amazing. one kill. So seven stocks. That's great experience. That's great yes. reps. Practice. And I can still screw anything up at any time because <laughs> I suck. You know what I mean? Let but, me ask you a question. Let me, let me come back. Do you wish that Matthews would do an 80, 85, 90 mod? You know, I don't like, so this is grown up Dan talking. Like, so I'm, I'm almost 40. I don't feel like I need to pull back any more than 75 pounds with the way that Matthews has made their current cams. Mm -hmm. I've like watched Tim struggle to pull back a Matthews coming from a Bowtech. And it's just reiterated that like the Matthews draw cycle is much more harsh than say any other one out there that I've tested. It's like those cams are hard to roll over. See, to me, it's hard in the very beginning. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. And th that's true. And that's the worst part because you're the most extended yeah. at the beginning. It is kind of weird. Um, but but that I think last... that technology allows you to get away with only being at 75 pounds because of the way those cams are built. Like I don't see a need to have 80 or 85 pound cams we're not talking limbs which it's crazy like it's i like their system it's all mod driven and i can swap out mods if i wanted to do they need to make 80 pound mods or 85 pound mods they could they might do a me too product because apparently hoyt has one now well yeah i mean hoyt's got a 90 and then and then pse i don't know if pse did one or... i'm sure most companies have at some point right i'm, I'm sure they yeah and I know that boat companies throughout the past have gone up that high, but yeah. I mean, we're to the point where technology wise, you can actually like the, the engineering on the bows and the engineering of the actual materials can actually handle, you know, 90 pounds. I need to be 270 so to 280 feet per second because of what I shoot broadhead wise for tuning, um, period. So it wouldn't do me any, like it wouldn't do me a solid to, to, to have that much more and if i did then i would go heavier arrow and seriously right, right. I would. so you're still trying to stay in that sweet spot 270 yeah. 280 yep yeah so uh, it's definitely harder to tune an arrow when you're going faster mm -hmm. and the damage to your body like for me i'm not you know i'm you're very very fit i can pull like i've got an 80 pound pse and i can pull it but at the end of the session i'm like that was a lot mm. you know and and uh and you need to be able to draw so slow S like slow. take me through your draw cycle yesterday you said you drew slow like Dude, drew slow because i didn't want the bear to like if you can't draw the bow in a controlled manner and you got to do some crazy like overhead or weird you know weird underneath you know yeah. kind of crazy thing um draw seated you know like if you yep. can't draw your bow in multiple different ways yep like Tim, you talked about you lowered your draw your your draw weight down because you wanted to kind of build back up. 
you and and there is no shame in that game at all. Like makes total sure sense that, to me, Tim. Yeah, and when Dan's out on the range drawing, man, his draw is slow, super controlled. You know, arms extended, and then he's drawn overhead, really slow back to the back. I mean, the, the whole process is, and it's so like. Your draw cycle, I, I would bet that every single time you s- initiate your sequence, your arrow's firing within probably one second or less. I bet your variation from the very start mm-hmm. of your cycle. Like, it's really, it's it's cool to watch. Until I use a handheld. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, literally, I was telling Tim, like, the bear I shot uh, this year, I damn near almost punched the trigger. So, uh, I pull back. The bear is a big boar, and he's got a sow, and he's feeding, like, I'm right on his sow, and I'm like, I, I'm like, she's pretty big, but I thought she was maybe a he. And yeah. then I look behind her, and here's this awesome chocolate boar. I'm yeah. like, oh, sh- this is happening. You know how you tell yourself that. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. happening. So um, he rolls up, and he kind of like sidesteps her and starts side-hilling up the steep avalanche chute. And so um, here he comes. I pull back, and I get – he stops, and I actually go – I make this sound. I can't hear anything right now. Hello? Okay. So I, I pull back. He won't stop. Yeah. And I go, meh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what? Whitetail I whitetailed him. <laughs> I primosed him. The truth. I went, meh. <laughs> and it worked. Yeah. He stopped. Yeah. And I just, just told myself, keep pulling. And the shot broke. And I see the arrow just hit something. It made a sound before it got to the bear. And then I see the arrow go into the oblivion. Ah, yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I just instinctually reloaded really fast and the bear didn't know what the hell was going on. Just carried on its way. And then the bear comes up and stops quartering away on a log at 30. Dude, that's perfect. I didn't know this. This is great. Pulled back, settled, kept pulling, kept pulling. And I'm like, dude, go off, break, go off. Oh yes. Keep pulling. And it finally broke. And I made the shot. I knew it was good, but I was like, I don't like how long that took to break. And sometimes when Tim's filming me, he knows I'm like with a handheld. Sometimes it breaks super fast. Sometimes it breaks super slow, but I am like disciplined to not punch. And I don't like that. And so um, I got to keep working on that because maybe I need to like right before season, take the pressure down just a little. That's what I was going to say. I mean, try to set it just a little bit hotter and see how that works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because I do shoot a handheld more accurately, period. I, I like shooting a handheld more than a wrist because I, I just – I don't know. For me, it just – it felt like um, – it felt like I was getting better groups. Not felt like I was 100% getting better groups. But um, I don't know what the thing – whitetail, I felt like I was always just kind of like making noise with the thing hanging off my wrist the entire time. Um, switch to a thumb, I shoot a stand perfects most of the time. And – I love it. I mean, other than punching my face, you know, oh, punching myself in the mm. face in, my, in that one video. Probably my favorite <laughs> clip of the year because it's such a legit punch. Oh, clip dude. of the year. Yeah. So good. I let, I dropped the bow. But to Matthew's credit, I dropped that sucker. I looked it over, picked it up, and shot the rest of the round. That's good. No problems. That's no cool. bend, no breaks. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the bow process for you, have you ever had an archery coach? Um... I have taken some lessons, but uh, like three. Okay. So I would say no. To me, that's way better than me. I didn't have any lessons, taught myself some stupid stuff, and then at some point got like frustrated. I was like, 
I don't know enough. And so just kind of dug in deeper and deeper. And then I think I told you this conversation, like only three years ago, like right when I switched to Matthews, I was like, I really want to build these bows myself. Yeah. Okay. Where's my credit card? Swipe, press, Everything, everything. last chance has on their website Tools starts showing up. shipped, everything. Yep, yep. Alicia's like, what are you doing? I'm like, <laughs> making a pro shot to me. And she's like, why? Because I don't know how to work on bows. And I hate being at the mercy of Josh because I'm like, I would never let anyone else touch my bow but Josh. Yeah. And I'd hate being at his mercy. And, and honestly, um, not a knock against Hoyt because I love Hoyt. I love all manufacturers. But my Hoyts would go out of tune quite a bit. Like the timing. And it could have been just me or whatever, but I'd always have to be like, man, Josh, I think my bow's out of time. I didn't know how to check. He'd be like, yep, sure enough. Just twist here, do, do. Yep, yep. you're back. And Shouldn't I'm be like, a problem with the new with the new system because they went to the binary cams. Right. It should stay in tune a lot better. But, yes. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't like the RX series at all. Like the, like the one, three, you know. Yeah, I didn't like it. Mm. So – but I really like the new Venom, so I, I get cool. what you, I yeah. get what you're saying. No, but yeah. I mean any bow could go out of time, you know, string stretch, whatever, yeah, all that kind of stuff. But, but I'm just saying, it's cool to know how to do that. Yes, no, the, the stuff I don't know how to do a lot of, if I'm being honest, is like if someone was like, "Here's my here's my RX. Can you yoke tune this real quick?" Like mm -hmm. I'd be like, I mean, I could tinker and twist yeah. to the right left, but. Like the whole cam orientation thing is still kind of like, oh, you're gonna tear here. You need to do. Yeah, I, that's not me. But as far as just setting a bow up, bare shaft, shoot through paper, getting center shot, making sure, yeah, it's cool. Tying in peeps and install like being able to just like if your D loop breaks and punch and you punch yourself in the face <laughs> and you're at elk camp. Yeah, wouldn't it be cool to reach into your bag and just tie in a new D loop and not have to like. And not freak out yeah. because you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. That was a that was a big part of the reason that I wanted to do the exact same thing you did is I wanted to buy all the stuff because I wanted to understand why the bow works and how the bow works so that in the field, like I've got with me right now, I've got a backup string cable system. I've got a mobile like press. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of super janky, but it's like the three of us could get this thing compressed and change the string cables if we needed to. I've got serving and I've got D-loop material. Like anything else that fails, that's you're going to the shop. There's nothing like if I if if I drop the bow and bend a cam, there's nothing you can do. You you're done. You know, which is why you always say you like to bring two bows. So we're two but, hours away from the uh the closest shop. Yeah. And they're closed Sunday, Monday. And so they're open five days a week and they don't open till ten. Yeah. And if you get there, <laughs> who's to say lazy. Who's to say you're first in line, especially if it's September? Yeah. Uh, or sure. what if the, the shop owner is an avid elk hunter? And so you're going to get his slappy to try to <laughs> – like his it's third slappy. or fourth man on the totem pole yeah, yeah. running the shop. Yep. And you're going to get his work, his craftsmanship. Uh, I mean, it's just a bad deal. So buy two bows first and foremost. Don't sell – when you go to upgrade, don't sell your bow. Yeah. Don't sell it. Tim. <laughs> now, I ordered Tim a bow. It's not here yet, but he will have a backup bow. So nice. Um, you'll have two Matthews. And Tim, I told Tim, like, hey, man, before you switch to Matthews, go test all the other bows. Like, you don't need to shoot a Matthews. Like, the contracts with me and Matthews, and like, Matthews understands that Tim is 
basically 50-50 with me on this YouTube channel. Like, he can do whatever the heck he wants. He's not contractually obligated. It'll keep us pure that way. Mm -hmm. And so Tim went and did this cool, like, video of, like – Yeah, I really like that video. Messing with – but he failed – to use a PSC in the in the in the in the in the shootout and a Darton and a Martin <laughs> and an Expedition and I'm probably missing dude the comments Obsession. yeah the, the comments killed me to watch that like everyone's accused you of being biased but for the record Tim literally shot like that was Tim shooting all the bows and doing his thing and eliminating bows based on feel and vibe like you can shoot whatever bow you want. Yeah, Brandon asked me about it in the mountains, and I was just like, well, you know, Matthew supports Dan. I'm a free agent. I want to support Dan when I can, but at the end of the day, we got to shoot what's best for us in the mountains. Like, when I'm at full draw on an animal, I'm not like, oh, yeah, I'm going to shoot what I'm at full draw on because, you know, I'm supporting Dan. I'm doing it because it's what's best for me. And, uh, yeah, I shot all the bows, went through it with MFJJ, which we're super blessed, by the way, to have good help nearby. I think a lot of people, especially after hearing your escapades all over the country, just struggle to find good help with archery stuff. So we're, we're really lucky to have Josh Jones in our, our back door and he's willing to help and, and give us his time. So I feel like we're really blessed in that way, but definitely worth it to go through the process. And yeah, came down to a Bowtech and a Matthews. I grew up on a Bowtech and that draw cycle is still super comfortable to me, but uh, the Matthews was super sexy and really stable. And yeah, I'm, I've been excited to shoot it and I put some really good groups together shoot my little 60 pound mods and, and relearning to shoot my bow the right way, which is, man, it's, it's, it's been fun. Kind of a, this year is really the first year that I'm like really slipping my feet into, to learning technical archery and, and building some good fundamentals, just always been self-raised. And it, it's, uh, it's kind of exciting to, to be older and be relearning like, Hey, let's do this thing the right way and, and have more upside later. Dude, I love that you're willing to break it down as well to 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 and i know it's because like you're a golf coach so you know like breaking stuff back down to the fundamentals can be so important and i love that you are willing to say like my shot is not 100 percent where i want it to be so we're gonna back it up and we're gonna start over again and i'm about to do the exact same thing i don't like my follow-through because i don't really have one but watching dan's shot you have one of my favorite shots to watch, like just this beautiful, like you're kind of leaning into it a little bit. And then you just have this, you know, yeah, the front arm goes out, the back arm goes out and there's this finish to the end of the shot. And I feel like I'm so excited. The arrow's gone. I'm just like, oh, thank God. And I just <laughs> yeah. give up and my whole body goes limp. So I don't like that about my shot. So this year I'm literally going to go stand blank bail three feet away from my freaking well, probably three yards away from my target. And I'm going to focus on one thing which is what is it going to take for you to actually follow through? Because I've reached a plateau with my groups. Mm -hmm. I've reached a plateau. They've not gotten any better this year. And I know that the next step is I have to start following through. Well, let's back it up a second. Like being a coach, it's still sometimes hard to be coachable. Like the flipping that script and be like, okay, I'm the student. Let like, let your hair down, let someone else teach you how to do this the right way. But like, there's, I mean, everything always comes back to the fundamentals. There's this old story about like Jack Nicholas. Every year he would start his season out, best golfer in the world at the time, he would start a season out with the absolute fundamentals. And so many people skip that step, man. If you don't build out that foundation, it's gonna crumble later. Where yeah. it's gonna crumble, who knows? It depends on the person. For you, you're maybe higher up the ladder, but then you can't get to that next rung because you don't have the foundation. So you always gotta circle back and just, and, and I feel like progression is really about getting your fundamentals at a tighter variance. 
So me, brand new to archery, like I'm allowed this amount of variance, right? right? Like, and, and, and that's good. But Levi or you know, a good shot, they're allowed this amount of fundamentals. And I always try to explain that in the coaching process too, to like better players. It's like, no, what's important for you is also important for the shitty player. It's just your variance is that much tighter. Yeah. So fundamentals can never be skipped over. I mean, no different in business and stuff like that. It's, yeah. Uh, it's no, exciting. It makes a lot of sense. And I think it's ego driven too. I think that there's oh, a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of people that aren't willing to say, like, I don't know if you've had it happen, but like at elk shape camp, you introed and you were like, if you're check your ego at the door because we're going to be in your face. And if you're literally rattlesnaking the trigger, <laughs> yeah. which is, you know, the extreme version of a trigger punch, you, we're going to tell you, and we're going to work on that while you're here. But, but it definitely takes some like check your ego at the door in order to break yourself down to make yourself better. It's hard to sure. hear what you're bad at. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. And especially in public, it's embarrassing. And it's so easy to go be a backyard rock star where no one's watching you and you can snake your trigger. But when is it going to break down? For me, it broke down when I was in the mountains in New Mexico all by myself shooting at a 350 bullet at 60 yards. Like, I don't want that in the future. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I got to I gotta be in more control of that process when, you know, when it, when it matters. Yeah. And I don't want to send out prayers. No. I want to send out death. Bombs. Death. Yeah, and yeah. I, there was a point in my archery life where some of my shots were like prayers. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? I don't want to do that. So talk to me about, speaking of fundamentals. Longest podcast I've ever done, by the way. <laughs> uh, you did a school of knock. Like, I of sorts, like you followed I went along through. Yeah, and he actually messaged me on Instagram, and I think he messaged me to tell me, like, "Hey, bro, what are you doing?" I, my intention was to go are through you his. Me? No, this is great. I, <laughs> here we go. It freaked me. It freaked me out because I was on a cruise, and when I got back, I had released a Botech video last night, last year, where I was kind of shitting on the Revolt X, and then I'd also been do, doing these School of Knock videos. But it was me going to his School of Knock. It was right. It was me saying, like, John saying, "Here's what episode one is. One is here is how I am applying it to myself, and here's how it works." And I was literally doing slow motion camera angles of my, of it, like. I'd do the shot multiple times and move the camera around so that people could see my release, my, my follow through my, I mean, every little part of it where, you know, cause he's talking about like how to, how to grip the bow. And so I would focus that first video on like, here's how I'm gripping the bow. And I know that I am probably kind of mid wristed, but I know that I turn my, my hand out a little bit more, which is why, like, I don't really like the grip on the Matthews, but I love the grip on like the prime. And I love the grip on the PSE, but it was, it was being intentional about every little thing when it comes to archery, like every little tiny piece of it, like how your feet are standing. So it was just me going through the school of knock and then reposting like my experience on it. And dude, so helpful, like tremendously helpful. That's probably, awesome. yeah, probably one so of So would the, you recommend doing it for those yes. listening? And even if you've been shooting for a long time and you feel like you're good, like just going through and watching Dudley's School of Knock videos. Um, I want a school of bow life and a school of like Levi Morgan's bow yeah. life. I, wish, I want him I to wish, do a school. Yes. And I, I would like would to too. do like both. But I, you guys got me thinking. I was like, man, I need to revamp my off season a little bit. Like coming out of the fall, I think I would like like blank bail is something that I do for, for sure. Um, and I do it 
pretty hard and heavy for about a month. I don't. And then it's I so don't boring. do it again. Yeah. And I think it would be almost kind of cool to almost build like a little bit of a routine of like sprinkle this in, sprinkle that in. Yeah. Um, but I do shoot year round. But I, I, I like the idea of going back to fundamentals just because it's in everything I've ever done. It all hinges upon the fundies. Yep. And I love the idea. That, so I haven't done the school of knock ever. I've never seen a video. I don't know much about it. But I was like, that's why I wanted to ask you. Yeah. And so did he receive it well, seeing you kind of like basically advertise for him? I don't know what <laughs> – this is the thing. He messaged me and he was like, hey, man, um, oh, what was the message? It was like, can, can, you, can you get in touch with me? And, and I, sent, I sent him – I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I don't – I don't, you know, like to me Dudley, Dudley is like – I don't know. I, I, I'm a I'm a Dudley fanboy. I am. Um, so so when it, when I got the message, I just assumed it was bad because I assumed that he's not going to message me and be like, "Hey man, I really love what you're doing with the videos." Like I assumed it was like, "Hey man, you're kind of stepping on my copyright a little bit." But I sent him my phone number. He never called. He never texted. <sighs> he stood me up. <laughs> and then I messaged him again later, and I was like, "Hey man, just following up, just in case like there's a thing." Whereas Botech. I followed up with Botech and I actually had a meeting with, uh, with some of their, with some of their people and kind of talked about, you know, some of my experience with the bow and they set me straight on a couple of things. Like one of the, they said, one of the reasons we can make the cam so bare bones is because we use a higher grade aluminum than a lot of the companies do, you know? So like there was, there was a few things. Botech was very willing to say we're intentional about what we're doing and here's the reason why. That's um, good to know. I didn't know that, Brandon. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was very cool. So you and Dudley never corresponded. No, after we didn't. That. We okay. never talked. Yeah. Well, I'll have to go back and watch his videos and your videos. Well, and, just watch watch his man yeah. and, and just like it. It's an interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but John John told me I was on his podcast and he was like, I don't know if he said it on the podcast or off offline, but he was like, "Bro, what's your schedule like next month?" And I was I was gone for basically every weekend, but I was like, I'm willing to. He's like, I'm, I would love to have you come over, and we could just break you off. And Dude, I'm that like, would be amazing. Hell to the yes. Like, yes. Let's do it. And uh, he's asked me for my schedule. I sent it to him, and we just – it did not line out. So I do think at some point, Tim, you're coming. We're going to Dudley's farm, and he's going to break me off. Dude, and you're going to realize that – I do everything absolutely wrong, You're but incorrect. I can repeat it. No, 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 <laughs> no. I don't. I don't think. I don't think he's going to change much about what you do. But I think that there, there are little. When you get to your level of a shot, like you're ninety five percent, and so the little tiny subtleties that come when you're a ninety five percent trying to get to ninety eight, ninety nine percent. It's little, little tiny things that it takes somebody like a coach like Dudley who's been able to watch hundreds and hundreds of people shooting and he can tell you like hey i want you to bring your elbow up a half an inch yeah a like half an inch smallest more. The, little tip yes and exactly. it will set you free and it will yeah or it will frustrate the crap out of you because all of a sudden your <laughs> groups likely. will go to shit yeah, you know likely. yeah 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 i'm i love it man you can't master this thing yes. you really can't and i think that's why this shit doesn't get old to me yeah me neither. bow hunting bears like making a stock every day just doesn't get old. I'm with you, dude. I, I love this stuff and uh, the vibes of just rust coming off. Yeah. Here's the truth, Tim. June, July, that's all I have for summer. And then it's like kind of have hunts starting. Yeah. Uh, so 
we have these YouTube schedule that's pretty aggressive. I'm still trying to – I haven't e-scouted very much. I have some e-scouting to seriously do. I'm not going to go put boots on the ground. Um, I'm still trying to scrap up another elk tag. I only have one right now for September, which is like kind of paranoia for me. I like having two <laughs> yeah. at minimum. And um, we got these all these videos in the hopper. We have more content. Plus, I'm still editing all the Elk Shape Camp stuff to put on the Elk Collective. I mean – podcast i mean i have yeah, dude, you guys are so high output it's crazy we have lots to be doing but so like this is like my last couple days and then hunting's gonna be like like this is it's all about family and yeah. work yeah and that's it so i'm really enjoying this what what do we look forward to in the next couple of days are we we're gonna get some freaking getting tim a bear tim a bear getting you another bear uh I'm in a picky, picky state of mind right now. That's but fine. But I really want to get Tim. Yeah. yeah, I really want to get Tim. I obviously want to get, you know, great video of Tim getting a bear. Yeah. Um, dude, I would love to follow you getting a bear too, though. Well, like, let's see what we can find. Let's do it. Um, and I would love to see a wolf. I've only yeah, seen, I've already seen cool. one. And it was in and out real quick. I'd love for Tim to see a wolf. Yeah. And I would maybe, love to be maybe, on the long lens yeah. with the wolf. That's yeah. sick. Or wolves. Yeah. So that'd be cool. I'd right, love guys. to see a Sasquatch too, actually. If you we're, not if we're just one? talking about like things we wish for. Dirk <laughs> believes in Sasquatch, by the way. Durham. <laughs> yeah. He confessed on this podcast. And That's kind of amazing, actually. I, I mean, he has stories. There's like a whole squad of people in Washington State and in Idaho that kind of like believe in Sasquatch. And Dude, there it, could be listeners who do too. It feels like we're in, if there is a Sasquatch, we're, it feels like we could be in Sasquatch com, uh, country. Squatch Country. Squatch Country. Squatch Country. There's the name of this podcast. <laughs> There's the name of the bear video. So how many videos are we going to make out of this, Tim? Like, can, give us a little teaser. Like, pe our bear videos never do well, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to make a little uh, little behind-the-scenes weekly episode. There's been a lot going on. You've been on a lot of stocks. We have a ton of stuff. So we're going to have a little series of weekly, pretty raw, bringing you along through the hunt. And then we're going to polish something because I like polishing things. And we got Brandon out here, and we're just going to make something really cool. And uh, we're going to sell adventure. We're going to sell the springtime mountains coming to life. And uh, a couple bears actually take dirt naps, so that, mm -hmm. that'll be fun too. What are you going to sell? What's your video going to be? Have Dude, I don't care if people watch my stuff. So, like, I'm going to make a video that when my grandkids watch it, they go, that was so cool to watch Grandpa freaking kill a bear with a bow. Cool. Yeah. So say no more. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's exactly what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do the best that I can on an edit that's gonna be fun and uh, yeah, I, I'm just gonna I'm super excited to pour back through the footage and just pull some really cool stuff together. And I'll probably do a a, a voiceover on the entire thing and try to channel my intro my inner uh, Pedro Ampuero <laughs> epic voiceover. Will, yeah, yeah. I got a box of the big payback Smokies from. It's Boof, baby. He's out of Spokane. <laughs> he gave me these. and We have to smoke one of these. We box have of to cigars. do it. 50 freaking cigars, man. It's beautiful. Fresh I can't virgin box. I can't wait to send these home with you <laughs> because. I can't believe you don't smoke them. I, I do. I will with you. Okay. After Tim shoots his bear. Yeah. As a celebratory smoke. Uh-huh. Let's do it. Guys, go check out Brandon's channel. Yeah. Brandon and McDonald he's Archery. launching. Launching Mere Mortal. Yep. MereMortalArchery.com. Yep. Dan excited I, about that? Yeah, dude. I'm excited too. At underscore Tim Connor. Okay. You can check him out on Instagram. He does artsy-fartsy camera <laughs> stuff. Dude, um, I, love, I love Tim's Instagram. 
he is not turning into me. Someone made a comment on the channel <laughs> while I was on the mountain. I saw that. And I was like, that couldn't be for Tim is Tim. Dan yeah. is Dan. And we couldn't be more different. But we have a couple of like a couple of intersects, yeah. which makes us a good team. Uh, so check out Tim. Give him a follow. He's always doing cool stuff. BTS. Uh, what's your other YouTube? I just Tim Connor. It's kind of my personal personal stuff I'm interested in, like, you know, Brandon McDonald. Stuff that interests me, I'm going to put it up there. I'm, I don't really do it for growth. I just do it because it's uh, things that interest me. That's and good. hopefully I can look back on later and yeah. and be proud of things I've made and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, the drone video you made was sick. Like, just really awesome visuals. It's doing something like that makes you go do cool stuff. Like, deciding to do a YouTube channel makes you go outside. People don't realize you that, you know. Stuff. Yeah. Like a lot of people, there's this balance of like, oh, should I bring a camera out to do things for Instagram or things for YouTube? But sometimes having a camera in your hand and wanting to make cool things will bring you to amazing places or it might push you out the door when you could stay on your couch. Yes. You know, these are good final thoughts. Final thoughts. YouTube's a free platform that anyone can do. So instead of getting on your keyboard and typing a shitty comment, (laughs) make your own video. Yeah. Uh, Go t- type your shitty comments on my page so I can put them on my <laughs> Instagram. And uh, Dan and I are going to kind of continue our weekly grind and push stuff out regularly in the name of hard work. So yeah. that's what we do. That's what we're selling. That's All right, right, guys. Appreciate you listening. Thank you, friends. That was, uh, how long do we go? Uh, just uh, almost getting up to Rogan. Two hours, 15 minutes, you know. Coming for you, Rogan. <laughs> Coming for you. All right, guys. We'll it's catch you cool. on the next one, man. Hanging out with friends. Peace. Awesome, guys. Thanks for listening, making it through. That was a long one. I think it was a good one, and I know there was some good information in there that maybe got you to think, maybe got you inspired or educated, or maybe just entertained you. Regardless, I appreciate your guys' support. You have a lot of options when you check out podcasts. Thanks for picking this one. If you haven't already, please subscribe or follow or whatever it is on Spotify, iTunes, or whatever medium you use to get your podcast. Crispy USA, thanks for the support. Those things are made in Italy. Elk Shape approved. No break-in period. That's a thing. And I'm rocking uh, a couple different pairs, but the ones for elk I'm looking at is uh, the Colorados, the Brickstalls. For antelope, I'm probably going to do Laponias. And once the season gets a little colder, I'll be busting out those crispy guides. Pick them up at blackobus.com. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE. That'll take 10% off. In fact, if you're buying stuff from Black Ovis, use that discount code and hook it up. Some exclusions apply, but not many. Northwest Retention Systems, this buddy of mine, Tim, started this company. He's out of Washington State, and he makes really cool custom holders for your handgun. I think it's important to carry a handgun when you're out hunting just to be safe, just for your family, just for peace of mind, especially if you're in G-Bear country. Check it out if you're in the market. They'll make it to whatever handgun you have. If you head over to Northwest Retention Systems website and you buy the Scout, enter the discount code ELKSHAPE. It'll take 10% off and no shipping and handling. Five-day turnaround for your custom gun holder. Buck Knives out of Post Falls, Idaho. Legendary Knives It's what I'm using to cut up my animals this year. Check them out if you haven't already. Uh, I think the name 
is pretty legendary. And I think that uh, they make everyday carry knives as well. They got a new one coming out in August. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say what it is yet, but I just got my hands on it and it's pretty cool. The, the Buck Knife relationship has been going on for a while. I've had CJ Buck on the podcast. We've done a couple of YouTube videos over there as well, and we'll do more. So if you guys have any questions on Buck Knives, hit me up. Spy Point Trail Cameras, we are in trail camera season. Get those cameras soaking and get them pointed in the right direction. A couple of tips on trail cameras, and then maybe we'll do a whole podcast on this, is you obviously use AA lithiums. They also have a link system to where you can get any trail camera to be a cell phone trail camera, which is kind of cool if you're willing to, maybe you're in a spot that has cell phone reception. I know that I have to use a booster and they make one and it helps me in a couple of key spots. And I like trail cameras. I like information. I like just understanding animals and their behavior. And uh, Spy Point does a great job. They have a Father's Day deal going on right now. You guys might want to check out. And that's what I got for you guys. You have a lot of choices on podcast. Thanks for picking ours. Separation is in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one.